0: is winnipeg sports talk daily with
1: andrew hustler patterson and michael remus
2: what is going on everyone hope you had a great weekend welcome to a packed monday edition of winnipeg sports talk daily oh man do we have got a lot to a lot to cover jets on the ice right now actually as we speak finishing up the prospects tournament out in penticton Big boys getting ready for main camp beginning on Thursday here in Winnipeg and a lot of football to talk about a very, very disappointing (laughs) afternoon in Hamilton for the Bombers again. Uh, Bombers now on to the bye week after their loss in Hamilton and uh, BC doing a little Houdini job to come back and beat Ottawa late. So it's tight again in the Western division of the Canadian Football League and Full slate of NFL action that we will chop up later on in the program as well. And when we last checked in on the Toronto Blue Jays, we were writing eulogies. We were discussing who all was going to get fired. Well, not so fast. The Jays are back. They swept the Red Sox on the weekend. And at the same time, the Rangers and Mariners got swept. So all is good back in Toronto. The Jays are back in the playoffs. Off today, take on the Yankees. We'll touch on that as well on today's show. Just before we bring in Michael Remus, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, Assiniboia Downs back in action tonight. Princess Auto in Coolbet Canada. Consolidated Supply, BP Royal Sports. F Apparel, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group. Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health, Fresh Market, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech and Modern Man Barbershops, and uh, lots of options and lots of directions to go with today's Why Not Question of the Day for our friends at Not Autocorp over at Waverly and McGillivray. Let's get this show on the road. Welcome to everybody in chat. Hope you had an awesome weekend, and welcome to you, Michael Remus. What is going on?
3: I'm feeling good, us. Uh, This is a great time of year. NFL Week 2 underway. We have the Jets' young stars on the ice. Uh, we're in the final stretch of the CFL season as we approach the playoffs. Teams are clinching their spots. And also, Winnipeg Jets training camp starts this week. We just got the schedule. We've got the groups. Uh, what a fantastic time. I'm very excited for FanFest. Uh, happy to be here on a Monday. No shortage of topics on our list here.
2: No doubt about that. Now, listen, Ted Wyman's going to come on, um, and we'll focus in on the Bomber game on the weekend with Ted. Uh, Hammer will be joining us afterwards, and we'll talk a little Jets. And I I know, I think Jeff was uh, lamenting the fact that he joined us on Monday, the day before the Babcock story broke. But when you consider how much research Jeff has done into Um, you know, abuse of players, and obviously this is a little different than anything on the scale of Graham James, but I know Jeff's going to have an interesting perspective on everything that happened, how Mike Babcock got hired in the first place, how this unraveled on him so quickly, Um, and I guess the other thing that we'll talk about, and we should right off the bat, I know the circumstances aren't great, Reem, but a big congratulations to uh, someone that's got a lot of fans here in Winnipeg, Pascal Vincent, former Manitoba Moose head coach and just assistant who is now the head coach in Columbus of the young Blue Jackets. And many people thought that's probably the choice they should have made in the first place. Uh, But that's where they ended up with. And uh, I guess today, probably a pretty awkward news conference with the uh, Blue Jackets announcing Pascal, but most of the questions being for Yarmo and John Davidson as to how the heck all of this transpired.
3: Yeah, they did have a, you know, that was the big hockey story last week with Ryan Whitney and Paul Bissonnette breaking news. We talked about it here, and then it was over the weekend. I think it it was Friday they had the NHLPA met with the players, then they met with the NHL, and yesterday I got the alert on my phone that Babcock had resigned. A number of quotes and statements coming out just what a, what a mess here. And John Davidson coming out today saying, I'm very disappointed on hiring Mike Babcock. He said, we got it wrong. That's on us. Called it a major misstep. We have to move past. Called it one of the toughest times he's been through in hockey. And, you know, Pascal Vincent, I mean, what a great time for him. He talked about a moment that he's been dreaming of his entire life. And that was part of why he left uh, Winnipeg to go to Columbus, because he saw a path <laughs> to becoming an NHL head coach. And here it is, but under strange um, circumstances where you hire a new coach that was, uh, you know, there were a lot of question marks about you know, the reasons for hiring him. Doesn't even coach a game. Doesn't even run a training camp practice hus And they're on and I don't like, are we going to get into the thought? Do you want to go like, how far deep do you want to get me to go here? Uh, on this? To like we're like, we going you, to the buffet want, on this.
2: We can listen. The buffet is wide open. There's so much to get to. I say. we're going to focus in on the Jets. I want to focus on the Jets. But this is the huge story in hockey today. And there is a tie into Winnipeg, of course,
3: with Pascal getting the, uh,
2: getting the new gig.
3: Like I want to focus on the Jets training camp groups that they sent out because I just spent the last 30 minutes, like putting together what I think they're going to have the lines as like lines. Hustle, we're going to have lines this week, Thursday. Like I'm going to be, maybe we'll be there tweeting it out, but, um, I mean, this Babcock, I feel. I just feel like a lot of details aren't coming out about it. You know, you can go by the report from Ryan Whitney and Paul Bissonnette. Um, they just, like, the Blue Jackets weren't really saying anything that happened. They just said, what, he caused awkwardness for the players or an uncomfortable situation. And um, there seemed to be no acknowledgement that there was wrongdoing here um, by Babcock. And... As far and what they asked him also if he there was if were going to be a financial settlement and he just said we had a, made an agreement and we'll leave it at that that was what Davidson said so
2: I know I, I was listening to Elliot today and yeah they believed I don't think that the Blue Jackets are going to be paying him
3: okay that's what all right
2: um and, and I mean he did resign
3: um yeah but it seemed to be a forced resignation
2: oh yeah for sure yeah <laughs> yeah listen I don't think. And Babcock in his statement didn't really seem to even admit any wrongdoing. And and maybe that was all part of what got lawyered up throughout Saturday. He said, listen, you're either going to be fired with cause. If you'd like to just um, resign, we'll allow you to do that. But I mean, I think they went through the liabilities on both sides and I mean, does it really matter if Mike Babcock says that he's resigning or whether he gets fired? The guy's coaching career, at least in North American main professional sports, is done. He probably would be a perfect guy for the KHL, to be honest with you, from, <laughs> from what we've learned about him. Um, but I think we can pretty much kiss goodbye. Mike Babcock is an NHL head coach, and I don't think there's that. – that's the one wild thing about all of this. For a guy that has had so much success – There's so many former players that hate this guy's guts the one thing that's been missing from all of this remus and really ever since he got hired with the job the exception of that puff piece that got put out recently uh i can't i couldn't name one person that would say oh i'm a big mike babcock guy i think this guy's great and well maybe yarmo was that guy when he was hiring him but You know what I'm saying? There's been nobody publicly saying, hey, you know what? You guys have Bob Babcock all wrong. Um, I don't think anyone's saying that right now.
3: Yeah, I know there's a lot of uh, people like Craig Button just went on Donnie and Dally in Vancouver and apparently went off. I'm going to have to grab this rant. But, yeah, you're hearing from, you know, I had to go back and look at the Mitch Marner story where, you know, what the report was from the Toronto Sun that he Ask Mitch Martin to rank the players from hardest working to least hardest working. And he reluctantly did it a rookie Mitch Martin. And then he told the players who were at the bottom, like, and then, uh, there was the Johan Franzen reported out of Sweden. Johan Franzen saying that Babcock is the worst human being ever did add that he was a great hockey mind, but said, but said, and then Chelios was the one who corroborated that, uh, I guess Babcock would torture brands in verbally and I don't think you can do those kind of coaching tactics in uh, 2023 or maybe ever and you know the players felt like they had to speak up it is interesting that the players spoke up to uh, Ryan Whitney and Paul Bissonnette and maybe not through NHLPA or official you know official team channels but this is who they felt comfortable with and they you know everyone who's listened to their content knows that they're not fans of Mike Babcock Mike Commodore as well and you know they felt that they're you know felt that they were violated and they had to take action. So, I mean we don't know, but we don't know a lot of the details. What Marty Walsh of NHLPA put out this statement: "Hus, um, our players deserve to be treated with respect in the workplace. Unfortunately, that was not the case in Columbus. And Elliot had the report that you know, you know Boone Jenner and Johnny Gaudreau said you know they were it was just casual sharing of pictures." You know, after the NHLPA investigation, they found maybe that wasn't the case with the rookies. Yeah, no, not
2: maybe. It wasn't the case. And the one in particular that's been talked about was an off-site meeting where Babcock took the young player's phone and basically went through it for six or seven minutes. I mean, who does that? And by the way, T. Wilson, apparently Huss doesn't read the Rod Peterson chat. Oh, was there... There are a bunch of Babs guys in the in the, oh. RP, the RP chat today saying that you know this is just uh, this is wrong. This is uh, people are too soft these days. They don't like everyone going through their stuff. <laughs> I hadn't heard that one before, Arin. But hey, listen, everyone is going to have everyone will have their own take on this, but it does it does seem quite clear that just about everybody that's had anything to do with mike babcock doesn't want to have anything to do with mike babcock anymore and i think to be honest for the columbus blue jackets they're lucky that this came out when it did um because it just got them away from the problem sooner despite the fact i don't know what the hell they were thinking in the first place about getting him on the bench Um, and there was that clip i sent you as well about jay Rosehill who was on a a Leafs talk uh, pod in Toronto, speaking about how he was very close with one of the people that worked with him at the university of Saskatchewan. And that entire business of Mike Babcock going back to Saskatchewan was, I mean, just a scam basically for him to try to have some sort of character rehabilitation to people on the outside. Uh, Basically wasn't doing the work, work that was the head coaches was putting it off onto a whole bunch of other people. And no one around there liked him either. So as I say, uh, I just hope that this does not create too much of a cloud around this team going forward because I'm a big fan of Patrick Liney, and I'm a very big fan of Pascal Vincent. And he's been working so hard for this opportunity for a long time. I know the situation and the circumstances are a little bit bizarre of how he got the job. But come training camp and come day one of the regular season, he'll be behind the bench for a team that's got a lot of young talent A lot of hope, um, but also a lot of room to uh, grow if they want to get closer to that playoff line in the East.
3: Yeah, they've had a number of high picks. They have some really young, talented players. They had a miserable season last year. I mean, they finished, they got the third overall pick. They weren't even trying to tank. They signed Johnny Gaudreau. So it was uh, pretty terrible for them, but I think it worked out great. You got Adam Fantilli uh, falling into your lap at third. And the questions now are going to be on Yarmo. Kekaline and John John Davidson's job. I don't know if you saw the statement from ownership saying they don't anticipate further changes to our hockey leadership, adding additional disruptions would be detrimental to our players and coaches as they prepare for the opening of training camp, basically saying, Hey, like we kind of screwed. We fired these guys right before training camp. That's kind of I don't know, maybe reading between the lines a little. Like we can't we can't do anything more. Like this is our GM and our president. What do you what can we do here? So, uh, you know, they put in Vincent, and we all want to see him have success uh, in Columbus. Uh, certainly, I'm going to watch his training camps begin.
2: Um, let's uh, l- let's just quickly talk Jets, and we'll get to this a little bit more with Jeff later on. Um, but by the way, this is nice, and I'm just catching this on the, uh, the Jets uh, X feed right now. But Jamie Thomas, who is, uh, of course, in Penticton um, doing the broadcast for Jets TV brought on our old pal dennis bayak who's in the mix today we're gonna have to reconnect with dennis and get him back on the program sometime soon get his thoughts on the team coming up but uh my guy elias we walk with elias today el salmonson uh, getting on the board i think chibrikov has one too i believe it's two two right now for the folks that are paying attention both in the chat and with us online but uh Overall, I mean, like, I, I never expect much, and I don't put too much into this. I mean, I think you're able to see some real skill and talent from particular players. <laughs> Unfortunately, the way the team played and maybe was organized, or lack thereof, gave both goaltenders a real chance to shine this weekend. And uh, so far, I think the big stories have been the performance of Divincenzo and Millich through two games.
3: Yes, uh, I, I agree. Um, the goaltending, the story, you know, for the first game, the Jets getting heavily outshot and through two periods yesterday uh, as well. And the goalie's standing on their head, making saves. And, you know, Devin says he's going back to the OHL, Millage, he's a pro. He showed up with the Moose helmet this year, and there's going to yeah. be a lot to watch for him if he's going to start with the Moose or start with the Jets' new ECHL affiliate in Norfolk. So uh, I think that was definitely the story. I did enjoy seeing, uh, what, Colby Barlow, Scoring as a beautiful passing from Torgerson yeah, behind Torgerson, the net. Torgerson, that was,
2: uh, you see how, you see the finish on Barlow. Um, I mean, that thing was on a stick and off of it in a millisecond and into the back of the net. And uh, mm-hmm. no, he, uh, um, we saw those goals that he scored last year in the OHL. Um, got a little taste of that in uh, the second of the three games right now. As you can see, by the way, this is incredible. CTO work here. We actually have the feed of the game. Those of you who are listening on the podcast won't know, but uh, three to Calgary and uh, Jets prospects right now uh, taken on the uh, on the Flames in Penticton, and uh, this is kind of fun talking about it and seeing it happen at the same time. Ring.
3: Yeah, it's on the Jets search of the Jets YouTube channel. Just uh, screen capping it from there. And uh, as for Barlow, you know, he showed up with that huge beard. Has shaved it. Yesterday was a bit clean shaven for the game, but it's, it's grown back. So all the reports all the reports of him being, what, being older than, what, older than 18 or 19, whatever, whatever he is. Yeah, he's like, so, the,
2: he's like Danny Almonte at the little league world series. Yeah. So like, check this kid's birth certificate. There's no way he, he should have been draft eligible two years ago and they waited.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I liked his move in the shootout and, uh, you know, Danny Jilkin scored the winner, had a nice uh, celebration. And I'm seeing who Julian says the standouts are the goalies, Lucius Lambert, Selmanson, and Jilkin. And you mentioned Selmanson scoring today. So, you know, nice to have some jets in the ice. And we'll see if these guys can make an impact uh, during the training camp, which starts Thursday.
2: Yes, indeed. So, uh, we'll get into those training camp numbers uh, and uh, rosters a little bit later on in the program and certainly be uh, all over it. As we get closer to Thursday, Thursday morning, with the official start of training camp. And of course, a big day Saturday, FanFest. If you're heading to FanFest, make sure to pop by and say hi to the WST Boys. We will be there all day. We're going to be setting up, doing, uh, well, obviously meeting a lot of people, promoting the show, hopefully hooking up with a few Winnipeg Jets for some content that we'll have for you in uh, the coming week on the program. But it should be a lot of fun. Uh, FanFest has just continued to grow year over year. And uh, certainly with a bunch of new players, a lot of exciting young guys in training camp, I think it'll be another popular place to be on a Saturday. So make plans to join us there on Saturday and make sure to pop by and say hi to us when you do. Um, speaking of the Jets, while we're at it, uh, don't forget we do have, uh, we continue to fill up uh, our section for the Winnipeg Sports Talk four-game pack. Uh, maybe if you've been away for the last week or so you haven't heard us talk about, get to the link in the description here or go to winnipegsportstalk.com and click on the link. for awesome games. L.A., Dubois' return in October. McDavid and the Oilers in November the Leafs on Saturday night, hockey night in Canada in January and a big game against Calgary on a Thursday night in April. Uh, You'll get a free beer, pop drink or soda with every ticket. And that'll be done through the, uh, the jets app for each game. And we're going to have a pregame Winnipeg sports talk get together. The uh, package is 375 bucks. We had huge per, uh, I I mean, great response right off the bat. So we've added a uh, couple rows in section 316, 317 right across the aisle from the seats that went first in 316. And, uh, of course, that bar is right there in the corner. Um, so join us. If you're thinking about you know, getting a little Jets pack, why not make it for the best games and do it with the WST crew? So that is live right now at winnipegjets.com. Go to winnipegsportstalk.com and click the link, or the link is right here in the description. All right, we're going to talk bombers with Ted Wyman. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, before we do that, though, um, fellas, we are now into we are now officially into fall, I would say. It feels like it. Although, man, the weather's going to be nice for the next couple of days. Uh, if you need to uh, take care of the look as you head into uh, these next few weeks and the turning of the season, get on down to Modern Man Barbershop, conveniently located with... Eight locations in the city of Winnipeg, including the two newest locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man Barber Shops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can book your look via modernmanbarber.com and make an appointment at any of the eight locations. And don't forget to follow them on Instagram as well, at Modern Man Barber Shops. Oh, man, what a huge sale. They had last week the uh, fall into savings sale over at AquaTech where everything in stock has been on stock. Well, has been on sale. Uh, Still some great deals right now. Uh, And if you're thinking about enhancing your kitchen, your bathroom, or even adding a man cave to your home, AquaTech has you covered with thousands of reno's as their foundation. Visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options and heck if you're thinking about a if you're already thinking about next year's pool season talk to the expert at aqua tech about getting ahead of it on uh, creating that pool for your property for next year again find them online at aqua-tech.ca it won't be long before we are worrying about cars starting around here and of course manitoba battery has powered us through the summer with batteries for everything to take full advantage of Manitoba's summer fun. But guess what? The winter is just around the corner, and that means you better make sure to be proactive on your battery and not be stuck in the cold. Best prices in town on automotive batteries, truck batteries, and more. And the best part about it is Manitoba Battery will not only give you the best price in town, but they'll deliver it to you for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg with any purchase over 60 bucks. It's that easy. Check them out online. Manitobabattery.com, order there, give them a call, or pop down and see Donnie and his great staff at Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan Avenue. And hey, a big cheers to our friends at Canadian Club. No bomber game this week. We've got to wait till the following Friday for that massive game against the Toronto Argonauts. And you know, Canada's favorite whiskey is always well represented at IG Field. In addition to the Family Canadian Club products, you can also pick up Canadian Club and ginger ale pre-mixed cocktails ready to go in cans and in six packs. And You can pick those up as well at your local beer store. All right, coming off another head scratcher in Hamilton for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Let's bring in our pal
0: Ted Wyman from the Winnipeg Sun. Teddy, what is up? How are you doing? I'm doing great, Hus. Uh, been a great weekend of watching football. I tell you, lots of good CFL games, lots of great NFL games. This is just my favorite time of year, man. Just love yeah, it. Yeah,
2: I mean the weekends are the weekends are so good. We got hockey coming up right around the corner as well to add into the mix. That no shortage of things for us to talk about. But let's focus in on the home team first off. Uh, where were your spidey senses tingling going into Hamilton? I mean, we'd seen this happen last year before and I thought because of that they talked about it this week the level that they played against the Saskatchewan Roughriders just a week before I honestly had a hard time wrapping my head around the team having such a lethargic performance particularly on the defensive side of the ball and yet it happened again heading into the bye week what did you make of the Bombers performance in the loss at Tim Hortons on the weekend
0: that's scratcher right uh yeah um The spidey senses for me weren't going so much because my story that I uh, focused in on was looking at just how much better the Bombers have been than the Hamilton Tiger Cats on paper this season. I mean, the Bombers were number one in uh, uh, 21 of 24 major offensive categories that I had identified, and then they were number one or number two in 16 of, uh, of, of 24 defensive categories. Hamilton wasn't better than six than any of them. And it just didn't, you know, on paper, it didn't make sense. But, of course, even talking to players this week, they all, or, or sorry, last week, they all brought up the fact that they beat the crap out of Saskatchewan in the Banjo Bowl last year and then went into Hamilton and they got beaten. And that was their worst defeat of the year. This one, to me, is worse, though, because they lost the, ban- they lost the Labor Day Classic. You know, they lose in Saskatchewan. They come back to Winnipeg, have this incredible performance, win. uh, I don't know if any of us have ever seen them play better. I don't know if any of them have ever played better themselves as a group. And yet, they go into Hamilton, and they're just not even close to the same. Uh, Not bad on offense at first, but then big mistakes in the second half. And the defense, which I had lauded in a story last week for just how they were flying under the radar, well, they did not have a good performance. So... It is a head scratcher, and I do believe that the inconsistency that this team has shown this year is certainly something to uh, keep an eye on, and is possibly troublesome. Uh, they 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 didn't lose four games last year. They didn't lose four games the year before. This year, they've lost four. Three of them against teams well are be- below five hundred. Some of that just doesn't make sense.
2: You know, uh, you know, and I mean, let's dive into those four games. Uh, I mean, they got absolutely steamrolled by the BC Lions uh, at home earlier in the season. And the one common denominator from that game to the game on the weekend is no Jackson Jeffcoat. And I'll get you to talk about that in a minute as well, Ted. And then you had the bizarre crumbback uh, the blown lead in Ottawa. Um, and then the game against the Saskatchewan Roughriders, which also went to overtime. Um, I'll say this. They came back against BC and showed who they were laying it on them. The big games, they've played quite well. Obviously, the Labor Day Classic game went into overtime. Like, I still think that moving forward, I think there's a little bit of a concentration and focus problem for a team going up against some of the lesser lights in the in the league, the way that they've played so far. But they have come up big against the big ones. And let's face it, they're going to need to do that in their next couple of games. Um but when you look at these, I mean, comparing that game to the other ones, um, does this one stand out as just a pure lack of focus? Um, and can you tie that into the second half against Ottawa and the way they prepared going into the first game against BC?
0: I don't, I, Huss, honestly, I'd shake my head on all of that that line of thinking because I just can't see how a Mike O'Shea team is going to be lacking focus. And when you talk about Adam Bakehill and Willie Jefferson and Zach Kalaris and Nick Dembski and all those old linemen and Brandon Alexander and all those guys, when do those guys ever lose focus? We just haven't seen that. So I, I would be a bit surprised if it really was a focus issue in this case. I think we do have to give some credit to Hamilton. I thought the Hamilton Tiger Cats played a great football game in, in all three phases. They certainly were the better team on, in that game. And I'm not so sure that you can't, you know, I, I think Zach Caleros forced a couple of passes that, led to interceptions in the in the second half last week. But other than that, I just thought Hamilton was making really good plays, and they kept the Bombers uh, at bay, which is not an easy thing to do, as the Saskatchewan Rough found out, giving up uh, points on nine straight drives. Well, Hamilton had a better game plan. They executed it very well, and they got the win. I don't know 100% in my mind. I think it's easy to point at it and say that it's a lack of focus, but I'm not 100% sure that's the case. And I also think you can look at, at Labor Day and you can say, well, Labor Day is one of these games that's a toss-up. Uh, even if the Bombers, I think the Bombers once went in there at 11-1 and won, and the Riders were 1-11, and 11, and guess who won? The Riders. It, it's just there's a, something that they have in their building that allows them to be successful against Winnipeg in those Labor Day games. Not making any excuses here because that the peaks and valleys, and Drew Walitarski talked about it last week, uh are more noticeable this year with this bomber team than they were in previous years and i'll tell you one thing one thing the bombers did not do often in the last couple of years was lose to teams that were really below them in the standings you know they might lose to a team that's right there with them uh, that kind of thing but to lose three games to teams below 500 is to me very shocking the ottawa red blacks can't win they can't even protect a huge lead they lose in B.C. this weekend, and yet they're the ones that came back and beat the Bombers. Again, we were scratching our heads at the beginning of this thing, and I, I scratch my head to explain how this has developed, and I'm, I'm not going to forget for a second that the Bombers are still 10-4. and four. They've still come back like gangbusters every single time they've lost a game, and watch out for the next team that has to face them. In this case, it's going to be the 11-1 Toronto Argos, but... There's something different with this team this year, and I think everybody can see it.
2: The only thing that's not different is the exact same thing happened last year after the Banja Bowl against Hamilton heading into the bye week. I believe two of their three losses were kind of like, what the heck just happened heading into the bye week? Um, And really, I mean, we'll put the Labor Day game in sort of a category of its own, but they didn't seem to be focused the way they normally are or ready to play against BC. They didn't seem it yesterday or saturday against the hamilton tiger cats and they completely lost their focus in the second half of that ottawa game playing like the game was over before it was over like when the bombers are dialed in they're really hard to beat i think they just haven't been dialed in the way we have come to expect and let's face it credit to them they've set the bar very very high and expectations have followed um but that just didn't seem like a regular bomber performance on saturday for the most part
0: no, it really didn't. And, of course, some of that goes to the other team playing well. But, um, you know, Zach Claros has 13 interceptions this year. That ties his career high. He's still got four games left. There's there's things uh, about even his season. And, I mean, there's still a lot of talk about him being the MOP of this league. But every time an interception, like you know, a three-interception game or two-pick-six game, he's had one of those this year, um, you know, things like that. Uh, three, I think, buddy, he did have four pick sixes over three games or four games? These are things that are going to affect the voters. And, and it does make you wonder, if, you know, is Zach just not quite at the peak that he has been in years past? But then he goes out against Saskatchewan and he threw five touchdown passes, which is a career high in the first half. I mean, they were just absolutely perfect on point. The Bombers all talked about it. Um, about how he made an inspiring speech after the Saskatchewan game and how he came in completely dialed in, and yet there they are a week later. And they're, I guess if if the bar is absolute perfect dialed-in focus, there's no question the Bombers did not have that in the Hamilton game. And if you talk about peaks and valleys, there was no question there was going to be a valley this week, even if the Bombers played well. Because there's no way they were going to play as well as they did in that Saskatchewan game. So it does create some uncertainty in the fan base. I think for the league, I think the whole league is loving it. I got to tell you, you, you read Twitter and you talk oh, to yeah. colleagues out in other uh, markets and they're Yeah, we're kind of sick of Winnipeg. It's pretty nice to see them coming back to earth every so often. But one thing we haven't even talked about yet is how, in my mind, that game was extremely costly against Hamilton because now you face Toronto, And then you face BC, and that BC game will almost certainly be for first place in the West. And it's in Vancouver. The Lions are playing pretty well, coming off another huge comeback win against Ottawa. And Toronto has barely been, you know, barely lost to anybody. They lost one game to Calgary, which almost looked like an anomaly because they came right back and played great every game after that. To lose to Hamilton, a below 500 team, go on the bye and then have to face the two best teams in the league, That is not an ideal situation
2: funny thing is is i feel a lot more confident about the bombers playing at home against team a team like toronto or going on the road for a game that will determine the west division against a team like bc than a game like saturday where you know what they're sort of expected to win but you know maybe a bit let's talk about jackson there i
0: mean they haven't won there since 2017 except in the gray Cup. yeah no, that that was an
2: important game. I will say that if they were going to win one, let it be that one. Um, But you know, Ted, I was having the same conversations with some friends after watching the game that we were after the BC uh, massacre earlier this season. Good Lord. You, you, you notice the lack of Jackson Jeffcoat, maybe not play after play and maybe not necessarily in the stats, but the presence that he has on that side of the football seems to open up a lot for Willie Jefferson, for other players in the middle. And um, I know they said they were just taking it easy. Uh, like if that game had been a playoff game, I'm sure he plays. But you hope it's worth it because um, he was definitely missed. And I'm not saying they win the game if Jackson Jeff Jeffcoat's there. But I do think that, you know, the ease of which Hamilton had throwing the football, uh, moving the chains throughout the afternoon and putting it in the end zone, I think it's significantly depleted if
0: 94 is out there. I don't think there's any question, Hus, that you're right. I mean, I just think that Jackson Jeffcoat is a real difference maker. And it's a big, like Celestin Hub is a rookie. He's a good player, but he's new to the CFL. And he hadn't played in weeks. He probably hadn't played in six, seven, eight weeks. And then he goes back in there, and I don't think he had a particularly great game. Willie Jefferson, sorry to say it, Willie, but he was in- invisible in this game, really. Uh, like, you know, it didn't show up on the stat sheet at all. The Bombers didn't get the kind of pressure they needed to get on Taylor Power. Powell, who, you know, as a as a rookie, a true rookie in this league, you should be able to rattle a guy like that. Well, they didn't even really get close to him to rattle him. Like, yeah, a couple of sacks, but not enough pressure on the plays where he was able to throw. And I thought the defensive backs played way too soft in their coverage. And I, I Mike Shea seemed to agree entirely with that. There was a couple of times where, you know, guys were five yards off. Yeah. They're keeping them in front of them, making a good play, but uh, you know, making a safe play, but the Ticats were able to move the ball down the field uh, pretty efficiently. And they certainly ran the ball well, better than the bombers did. So <clears throat> I just don't think, uh, I don't think that defense was on point and, you know, an easy thing to point to 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 explain why is because Jackson Jeffcoat wasn't out there and it just wasn't at its premium level because things really do start with that defensive line on this team. When they're getting the pressure, the Bombers have the best defensive backs in the league. There's no doubt about it. Uh,
2: And then to compound it all, what Ottawa did to the Bombers, BC did to Ottawa. That was an absolutely bananas comeback, one that absolutely should not have happened um, but what a huge win by BC. And uh, yeah, the West is back on officially. And listen, for everyone that wanted a playoff feel for uh, October 6th, I they think they're going to get it regardless of what happens in the next two weeks.
0: Absolutely. And you know, um, us, like you and I, and everyone else who is involved in Manitoba football uh, over the years, we all like Bobby Dice. We all care for Bobby Dice. We don't want to see Bobby Dice not succeed there with the Ottawa Red Blacks, but what a tough situation for him in that game. Uh, You know, like, I'm sure he was up all night thinking about why they went for a field goal that allowed the BC Lions to return uh, all the way to, uh, for a touchdown to win. And I mean, uh, or to get back in the game and then eventually win. You don't ever, you got to trust your kicker. You think you can make a 47-yarder and you can make a 47-yarder. But if you miss... It's just so risky. I just think if they punt there, they probably win the game. And I and I really, uh, you know, you've got better coverage out there with a punt, right? You don't have very good coverage guys out there on a field goal because you're expecting to make it. And it just seemed like that kind of mistake is the kind of thing that happens when you're having a 3-11 and season. And it, it just, it should have been a win for Ottawa. They should have salted away easily they had so many chances to do it and they just could not move the ball when they needed to couldn't get that field goal when they needed it and the lions made them pay and good on the lions because they've been an exciting team to watch the last couple of seasons and and, and it wasn't just all about nathan Rourke, clearly because vernon adams though he throws a ton of interceptions as well certainly can sling the ball and he's been entertaining and lucky whiteheads there and very entertaining and uh it, it i think it it should come down to just a fantastic game in uh, in B.C. on October 6th uh, it, with so much on the line. And with the Bombers playing Toronto next week, You know, I, I still kind of expect the Bombers to come out and get a win there, playing at home, haven't lost two games in a row in a long time, seem to redouble their focus after losses, all those kinds of things. But if they were to lose, could be big-time advantage B.C. with that game being in their barn
2: well I, the funny thing is though with four losses already on bc's card even if the bombers come in at ten and five if they beat bc
0: One they'll game. have
2: the division like it really this is a, a a an almost win win and you win the division as long as you take care of business there will be a couple more games
0: Bombers have Edmonton and Calgary
2: after that. Not sure what BC has, but
0: watch out for Edmonton though, man. Like, I mean, that is not going to be an easy game. I I don't think anyone in the league believes that Edmonton is an easy team anymore. In fact, if there were a few more games on the schedule, I think they would be a risk to make some noise in the playoffs. I think Hamilton's win this past week, you know, really kind of messes with that possibility, but uh, you know, Saskatchewan hasn't played great either. So uh, that will not be an easy game for the Bombers no matter what happens.
2: Um,
0: Ted Wyman's with us from the Winnipeg Sun.
2: Ted, while we've got you, training camp gets going for the Winnipeg Jets on Thursday.
0: More excitement.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, you know, listen, I'm looking forward to seeing the new players. We've just got the training camp groups today. Um, but I think we all know that first day of camp is going to be very interesting, uh, particularly hearing from Mark Scheifele and Connor Hellebuck. I mean, from yeah. uh, from your big J hat on when you go in, I mean, what are the big stories that you're going to be focusing on day one of training camp when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets?
0: Well, you already said it, man. What else could it be? It's it's Shifley and Hellebuck. It's are you surprised you're still here? <laughs> Is it uh, what's you know what do you where do you see yourself a year from now? It's it's how do you approach this season in such a unusual circumstance, both with their contracts up at the end of the year. How do you, uh, you know, if you're Shifley, you know, how's your relationship with Rick Bonus after the way things went at the end of last season and a lot of these other players. Um, it's really an interesting situation. And I mean, I thought Kyle Connor's comments already earlier, you know, last week were pretty interesting where he basically was like, well, what do we need a captain for? You know? Well, I, you know, in my mind, they b- made a great choice for a captain. And I think they should be, you know, I would think people would be pretty darn happy to have a guy like Adam Lowry who gets along with everybody who's tough as nails on the ice. Who's a very nice guy off the ice who speaks well uh, on behalf of the team and all those things. And yet it didn't seem like a real jump for joy. It seemed like, well, what the heck do we need a captain for? But uh, You know, in my mind, you need a captain because you need a new direction. Uh, in terms of the leadership in this team. I mean, it's not been good in the last few years, in my opinion. Uh, that had a lot to do with Blake Wheeler's uh, inability, I think, to connect maybe with some of the younger players and 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 maybe with the whole group. Uh, but then you end up with the three-way assistant captain situation last year, and you had players saying, well, Blake Wheeler was still the captain in reality. So you have to have one. I mean, you have to have one. You have to make this move to try to improve the culture of this team. And, of course, that is a huge thing that I'm watching, not just at the very beginning of training camp, but throughout it, throughout the early part of the season. What effect does all this have with this team? What effect do these new players have with this team? What does Alex Iofalo and his veteran status bring in here that changes, helps to change the culture of a team that simply did not have a good culture last season? I think the storylines abound. Um, it'll always be sweetness and joy at the beginning of training camp because no one's lost the game yet. But um, it will be very, very interesting to watch right from the beginning and through to the end of this season.
2: Well, speaking on that, Ted, um, this organization spent a lot of money to send Blake Wheeler packing and pay him not to play for the Winnipeg Jets. And say what you want about Blake. He was productive last year. I mean, I know he was probably made. I mean, listen, I realize it was the legacy contract, as we've heard. And was he overpaid based on it? Sure. But he still was 55 points and certainly contributing. What what do you think? What's the Blake Wheeler effect or the lack of Blake Wheeler effect on this team? What's the best case scenario? What are they hoping
0: to get out of it in your mind? I would, you know, again, this is. Somewhat speculation for me because I'm not in their locker room. But from things I've heard, I think they could possibly become a more cohesive group without Blake Wheeler there. And I'm not saying that he created divisions, but I don't know. Something was wrong. It just was. I mean, you heard guys talk at the end of last season or not the, the season before this past season about how bad things were, about how some guys weren't pulling their weight. Boat. It didn't that sounded like a fractured locker room, didn't it? And then in comes Rick Bonus, and the one thing he does is he strips the captaincy from Wheeler, but Wheeler's still in there. And a lot of the same players are coming back. They start out pretty good, but they kind of slip right back to the same kind of team they were at the end of the previous season and 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 bow out meekly in the playoffs. So it, it's a team that has to have a different kind of a leadership culture. And that's the effect for me. You 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 cannot say that Blake Wheeler didn't earn his money with the Winnipeg Jets. He they they front end loaded his contract because he was a 91 plus point player for them for a few seasons. And last season he was a 50 60 point player, 60 point player I think uh, for a team that hadn't uh, you know that 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 basically was ready to move on from him. But he still was contributing. So you lose something without him for sure he, he, on ice work ethic, these kind of things, he was really good with those. But they need to make this Adam Lowry's team and Josh Morrissey's team, and and they need to move forward and, you know, be a, a new kind of group without Blake Wheeler. And, and I do believe at some point possibly without Mark Scheifele as well. I don't know what's going to happen with Connor Hellebuck, but, you know, this is very odd to go into a season with such – High name, you know, such such big name players potentially going to, out you know, to total free agency. It just uh, it's weird. I gotta tell you. You
2: know, I, I'm glad you brought up the Kyle Connor bit because we really didn't get into this on Friday. We had a ton of things going on, and we had Adam Lowry on the program. Uh, but your colleague, Mister Friesen, Paul Friesen, talked to uh, Kyle Connor, and if people haven't seen it, the headline. Was Kyle Connor, quote, shocked Jets coach Rick Bonus named a captain? And this is from the Sun from last Friday. Um, Jets coach Rick Bonus acknowledged recently that some players wondered why the team even needed to name a captain. And then this is from Kyle Connor to Freezer. That's exactly what I said. He called us in the summer and I told him pretty flat out I'm like, I'm pretty shocked that we're naming a captain. I think they had their mind made up. Uh and then he did compliment Adam Lowry. He said he's the perfect choice if you're going to name one. He brings it to the day uh brings it to the table. Genuinely a nice individual, gets along with everyone. So I can see the choice. And obviously the fan base loves him. The way he plays really embodies this organization, this city. So no problems with that. I thought it was a great choice. What 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 was your takeaway from that? I have to admit, that was a little weird to hear. I I was a little surprised that he would feel that way. And again, just in the aftermath of the captain being named, it did seem like sort of a strange, like, I'm not sure. Is this a player that maybe if they were going to do it, thought that they should be in the mix for it Um, or just basically sees things in a very different way than a lot of other people in the organization obviously do.
0: My number one takeaway, and of course, Freezer told me about it before he even started writing it. And I was you know, I was a bit perplexed by it, as you are. But my number one takeaway was that it was a really assertive comment by by Kyle Connor, who I don't think has really shown that kind of assertiveness in the past, and and really forceful. You know, really, uh, really a strong opinion about why. You know, that that in his opinion, regardless of the fact that he appreciates Adam Lowry, he didn't think this team actually needed a captain, and he he came out. I, I thought that like his. Words were eloquent about Adam Lowry as well. He's speaking a lot more forcefully. And maybe this is partly in him realizing that he's one of the older players now and needs not needs maybe not older, but he's certainly not young, not, not a rookie. And and he maybe needs to be more of a leader in that room. Maybe they need, you know, I've, I've said this about the Blue Bombers since we were on that topic before, that one of the reasons the Blue Bombers are so successful is because they're an absolute locker room full of leaders. There's 20, 30 guys. Who could be a captain on that team now interestingly that team does not have captains but um the winnipeg jets uh, they need more guys like that they need more guys who consider themselves leaders they you, you don't want them to um be distracting from what the leaders are actually doing the guys who are wearing the letters but you need guys to step up and and say meaningful things and say what they believe that's not been something the Winnipeg Jets do that that comment from Kyle Connor was outside of what i usually expect to hear from someone from the Winnipeg Jets they are usually pretty guarded and do you dare say that without wheeler around maybe <laughs> talk to them about it it changes people's opinions on what they feel comfortable saying I, I you know that's again pure speculation but something to me has changed when guys are talking like that
2: yeah well for sure But again, it was more the content of what he was saying other than how frank he was about saying it. It it was, I don't know, it was just a surprise. It it was a surprising comment. And I'm not, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not making it out to be a big deal or whatever. But for a guy that's pretty quiet normally, doesn't talk a lot to the media, um, and to be honest, I can't really think of any like crazy Kyle Connor takes or media moments over the last number of years. It was a really interesting comment that Freezer got out of him to start it off and certainly made for a good piece in the Winnipeg Sun on the weekend heading into the weekend. Um,
0: And then he also had the piece where he talked to uh, Gabe Velarde and Velarde was like, I thought Sifley was the captain. (laughs) It's been kind of funny the way that stuff has gone.
2: Well, I mean, especially the new players coming in, there's definitely a different perspective on the guys that have been and, and, and I can't wait to hear a little bit more from Aia fallo from Velarde on a daily basis as they sort of get entrenched into this team. Um, and frankly, I think it wouldn't be a bad thing if we heard a lot from them. And frankly, the other guys in that room heard a lot from them because I think as much as you're bringing in some talented guys that can hopefully win hockey games on the ice, I think one of the other key things, and this goes to Blake Wheeler moving on to New York at a pretty significant cost to the Winnipeg Jets is getting some new voices, some new players in that have been in other organizations that have been where they've done it a different way, playing behind one of the great leaders and captains in all of the NHL and on Kopitar. And I do, I am interested and really hope that those guys take a big role in this club very, very soon. Um, and I certainly think they'll be welcomed in In a lot of ways. There is sort of that gap there for players with Dubois and Wheeler being gone for players like IFL and Villardi to come in and uh, become big voices and big parts of this team before we even drop the puck
0: on eighty-two. Yeah, I think you're just right there. I mean, I think that's exactly what this team needs. It it didn't. They didn't necessarily want to have to move Pierre-Luc Dubois. They would have loved to have kept him longer, but it wasn't going to happen. So they got what they could for him, and 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 it's a pretty decent return. And all we know about it is how they can. Possibly contribute on the ice from their numbers, from what we've heard about them as players. We don't know what kind of impact they can have in the room, but as you said, to bring in some guys that actually have that—you uh, know—that that can bring a different voice, that have played with different captains, that have had success elsewhere, um, and and meet and and really have those intangibles to offer could make a nice difference for this team, and and also to let some guys. Who had maybe voices that they weren't they weren't speaking out with them though in that locker room in the past maybe have a chance to step up and and be leaders like I said potentially with Kyle Connor with Nikolai Ehlers players like that who've been here for a while and have a group of leaders don't just have a one captain and follow him blindly that's you know, I think they need to have a, a group of leaders and really build a culture that can work and be sustainable for a while.
2: Teddy, great chatting with you as always, my man. Enjoy the bye week. I'm sure we'll probably be doing a little hockey stuff with uh, the Bombers off, but uh, maybe we'll see you down the rink and definitely look forward to that big one. Andrew Harris returning gray cup rematch on the 29th. I wouldn't be surprised if there's another huge crowd, even though normally the big crowds maybe aren't quite there late in September and into October. This is a special game. And I think they'll, Bomber fans will be even more fired up for it, as hopefully will the team after a pretty disappointing Saturday afternoon in uh, the donut
0: box. Well, it's going to be entertaining uh, the rest of the way, as I'm sure your next guest will be. I see he's joined. (laughs) Always, always.
2: Prime time, Jeff Hamilton. Let's go. Uh, Thanks for having me, man. Dude, always great having you on the program. Thanks so much for the time. There is Ted Wyman and, yes, his Instagram tag team partner from those legendary regina trips jeff hamilton coming up next in just a minute um but you know we were talking bombers and we'll touch on this as well with jeff even though i know he was on holidays on the weekend and taylor allen did the game in hamilton for the Freep. uh why not question of the day for you bomber fans brought to you by not Corp at waverly and McGilvery. uh level of concern on the bombers after that disappointing loss. I mean, they have lost two of their last three. The win, of course, was an absolute massacre of the Riders in the Banjo Bowl. Um, But how are you feeling about where this team is at right now heading into a home game against the defending Grey Cup champs who have lost only one game on the season and have already clinched the East? And then, of course, that huge game in BC. Let us know in the comments. And if you're listening on Twitter, hit us up on X at Sports Talk W. PG. All right. Before we bring in the hammer, um, let me give a big thanks to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, who've got great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and Winnipeg's largest selection of local products, too. Now, you can pop by and see them and do your shopping at any of the six Vita Healths. But if you're busy right now or you do prefer shopping online, get on over to myvita.ca fully shoppable website and take advantage right now for a limited time of free local delivery. When you place an order online, when checking out, just use the discount code LOCALSHIP, LOCALSHIP, all one word. More details are on the website. And uh, folks, hey, if you've been getting after it all summer and the joints and muscles are sore, check out Health cumin Supreme Extra Strength, helping ease pain and inflammation and you only take it once a day, and don't forget about the delicious grass-fed bison and beef steaks for your next barbecue, and great beverage options like sober carpenter beer and Santa Cruz lemonade. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives, six Winnipeg locations, and online at myvita.ca. Well, Wallace and Wallace has been busy as the leader's in fencing for the city throughout the year, both commercial, residential, and industrial. But you might not have known they're also the leaders in overhead garage doors. And your garage door had lots of ups and downs this summer, working hard to get you to and from all of your summer fun. But it's about to work a whole lot harder because winter puts much more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace and Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that's Wallace and Wallace hit them up at 204-452-2700 and make your appointment today. How's the closet looking fellas as we get into fall, when you open it up, do you think, damn, I got to up my menswear game? Well, if that's the case, I got a spot for you quick, easy, and right downtown at 190 Smith Street. And that, of course, is F Apparel. F Apparel features custom suits made to fit beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. Pop down and see everything they can do for you. And don't forget, if you are in a wedding or a wedding party, talk to the guys at F about a 100, or about a 15% discount for wedding parties when the fellas get the suits done at F Apparel. Make an appointment or find out more online at F. That's E-P-H-Apparel.com. F Apparel's down at 190 Smith Street downtown. And hey, big shout out to our friends Nick and Nikki DQ. Pop by for one of those amazing blizzards on the weekend. That never gets old. Well, we've got some great blizzard weather, actually, for the next few days, with it being well into the 20s, with a little bit more of a taste of summer. Of course, Nick and Nikki have you covered at DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Niverville. And they just opened up the new Pita Pit in Niverville as well. Delicious, fast, healthy, and quick Pita Pits waiting for you. And, of course, they do great catering as well. If you want more information on that, hit them up on X at Pita Pit Niverville. All right, continuing the program, let's welcome in the vacationing, but always dedicated to WST, Jeff Hamilton, who's so kind to take some time to join us. What uh, What's up? How was your weekend without much to do? Were you just garage sailing the whole time and mixing in the odd football game, or uh, what's going on?
1: Yeah, garage sailing mostly with a side of sports, really. You know what? It's This week has been... So I had this past week off, and I have this next week off. So I've been... Conscious of what happens to myself when I don't have structure in my days. And so I've been very in tune with getting things done. So I've kind of booked up, you know, every day with a little piece of business. Lots of stuff that I wanted to take care of. And not even like a laundry to-do list of stuff. Just some professional stuff to take care of that just adds on to my already full plate. So it has been it was really nice week of watching sports and doing other things. And this is going to be another one of those weeks where... You know i certainly have my ears on ears and eyes on on what's going on but uh enjoying the freedom of being able to spend my days as i see fit now we've got to talk about the
2: mike babcock situation
1: mm-hmm.
2: we've got to talk about the jets mm-hmm. but just because we just sort of finished up with ted and you normally we really focus in on the bombers i know you weren't working the game but um makes some sense to sense to us i mean uh, was this just deja vu of exactly what happened last year after a big banjo bowl win going into
1: a bye week i mean that's i think that's the easy way to dismiss it in the sense that you know this is the you know a game where they have a bye week coming up you know they obviously had a really emotional victory over over saskatchewan the week before how that bled into their week you know I don't think you'll ever know because the answers are always the same, right. You know, whether it's a, you never really hear the guys say, Oh, it was a tough week of practice. You know, it's, it's always, you know, things are going, but um, you know, I, I think that's part of it. I think part of it is too, is, and I've said this, I was, I was on, uh, I was on bonfire after dark post game. So me and uh, me and me and Darren bombing were, we cutting it up after the game and uh, check that out. That's a must watch post game guys. Um, but uh you know, I, I think it's that, but I think it's a co- combination of a few things. The Bombers aren't as good as they've been the last couple of years. They're still really good, but they're not as good, and particularly not as good as the 2021 outfit after defending that 2019 Great Cup. Um, They've just gotten a bit older, maybe a bit slower. I don't think age is factoring into this big time, but eventually it's going to happen. So it just feels like, I'm look, I'm not looking to panic after a loss to Hamilton. The other part is, too, is that, They're playing the winnipeg blue bombers they have to bring their a plus game i mean how many times have you heard other teams say the only way we beat this team is if we make no mistakes and you know and we capitalize on on theirs and so you know i think the bombers are getting everybody's a game for sure um and it's hard to get up for every single game now does that leave an excuse to beat a team that i think only a couple weeks ago i was saying was probably the worst in the cfl well not really. I mean, the Bombers should be going into Hamilton and winning. They got lots to play for. They have the West division to to, to still wrap up, and, which now with the victory with the Lions over Ottawa, crazy game that was, and you guys have talked about it. Um, you know, now they're in a fight for first place in the West. So the Bombers had tons tons to play for. I mean, that's their ticket to gain into a four straight Grey Cup is, is hosting that West final. We know how dominant they are at home. Um, but just for some reason, they didn't come with it. I mean, that's, that's the fact of the matter. And the crazy part too, Huss, is that even, you know, whether it's this game, whether it's, you know, the Labor Day Classic loss, whether it's the loss against, you know, Ottawa before that, not so much the BC game, you know, in week three, but in the last three losses, the Bombers didn't play well and still could have won every, you know, each one of those games. So if you're going to take a silver line out of anything, I think that's it. I mean, I don't know how many listeners right now were, were, were thinking what I was thinking, but, I thought with the Bombers down six points, at, you know, at the end of the game, that this was going to be, you know, a victory for the Bombers. Sure enough, it, it didn't pan out, and you know, it was a bad game. But you know, you can't throw as many picks as Zach Claris has been throwing this season. Um, and and kudos to Hamilton, who is playing for second place in the East. They're now tied with the Montreal Alouettes. They they can't catch the dominant eleven and one Toronto Argonauts, but they are they are in position to host a playoff game. So they have plenty to play for. And, of course, we saw this last season. The Bombers were dominating through the regular season, went into Hamilton, and Dane Evans, in the midst of his worst season of his career, played the best game, arguably, of his life uh, through five touchdown passes and delivered the Bombers a loss. So clearly there's some road issues here and, and, you know, factor in teams bringing their best and the Bombers maybe not as dominant as we've seen them in previous years. And, you know, nights like this are going to happen. But the good news is... Uh, the Bombers haven't lost uh, back-to-back games with Zach Kolaris behind center. So, you know, expect a, you know, a lot to happen over the bye week in the sense of, you know, getting away from the game, resting, all that recovery stuff. But then back at it for what will be, you know, I think the matchup everybody in the CFL has been waiting for. And I'm fascinated to see how the Bombers answer back against the great cup champion Toronto Argonauts as they come to town in, what, week 17, week 16, whatever it is. 17.
2: Yeah, September 29th, Friday night. I know tickets are going uh, well, very well for that game coming off the previous two sellouts for the Winnipeg Football Club. And, um, you know, the fact of the matter is the Argos are the team right now that doesn't really have anything to play for. They've clinched the East already, um, but the Bombers are in a dogfight. I mean, especially with that crazy comeback by BC over Ottawa. Um at the end of that game on October 6th, whoever wins that game is going to have pole position, but not the job done. They're going to need to keep going through the end of the year. And uh, it should be a lot of fun. Um, All right. We'll get to Jets and upcoming training camp and all those stories around it in a minute. Um, But I really was looking forward to having you on today. I wasn't sure whether we'd have any clarity on the Babcock situation but in fact, we do, as the, the men they call Babs, resigned yesterday after exactly zero games behind the bench of the Columbus Blue Jackets. W- what did you think, Jeff? And again, you are a unique, you have a unique perspective on this with the amount of research you've done in on to um, you know, coaching, abuse of players. And again, this is very different than what Graham James did. Um, but it certainly talks a lot to power dynamics Uh, and power over younger players from coaches. Um, When biz went off on Chicklets on Tuesday and that clip blew up, what was your first reaction about
1: Mike Babcock and uh, the situation? I think like most people, you saw it and you were kind of just, you know, scratching your head, wondering what was going on. Um, You know, it, Personally, as you mentioned, my, you know, my history and years of looking into abuse in sport and not just, you know, sexual abuse, as I did with the Graham James investigation and others, but other investigations that involve just, you know, bad behavior, whether that's verbal harassment, whether that's power, you know, power control, whether that's, you know, physical abuse, all those things. And, you know, your my mind immediately went to, well, why? Like, what you know, what is this? I mean, I think a lot, I think the details that Paul Bissonnette Put out in his own little language, his old way of doing things certainly rattled some cages. Um, but I wanted to know more. I wanted to know, what do you mean he's asking players for their phones? What do you mean he wants to go through their pictures? What do you mean he's putting them up on, you know, projection screens or air, through airplay? And and like why does he want this information in this way? And I mean, as time went on, you know, and you hear kind of more about the story and of course, you know, it starts with that tweet and then turns into whether it's the reporters locally or the national insiders coming up. I mean, Elliot Friedman was all over this, you know, kudos to him for, for, for covering it for days. I looked at his, you know, his, his 32 thoughts that I listened to, you know, every week. And the last three have Babcock in the, in the title. Um, but I also, you know, I, I immediately thought, you know, what, what the hell? And then, you know, when I found out more and, you know, I just thought it was ridiculous. Like, you know, to me, I mean, I'm not in Mike Babcock's head, but it's completely unacceptable behavior for a head coach, any head coach, but particularly a head coach who is known to play mind games with his players. I mean, the whole issue with Marner and, you know, pinning players against each other and whatnot. I mean, this guy shouldn't have been back in a dressing room. Sure enough, he gets his second chance and he's airplane people's photos or he's asking to look at people's phones and and, and go through their photos and uh, pictures of their families and whatnot. And this isn't just the Boone Jenners and the Johnny Goudreaux who are, are married and have kids at the ready. These are apparently a lot of players. This is what he does with his players. And there's no surprise to me that the younger, more vocal players, we don't know their names and we won't know their names and we shouldn't have to know their names, came out and and pretty much crapped all over the Johnny Goudreau statements and the Boone Jenner statements. And that's another thing. I mean, I know you asked what my original thoughts are, and obviously I have a lot a lot to say on the topic, but I just felt like it was just completely unacceptable and, and out of touch. And, and you know, the, you know, I got a lot of, not tons of backlash, but people saying, well, you know, that's just his way of help, you know, trying to trying to grow with the team and, and whatever. Since, in what situation have you ever been in, where, where your boss, someone you've just met, wants to go through your phone. Like, in what sense, like, I mean, story, like, it, it's just not behavior that is, you know, I hear a lot of the narratives too coming out too, and a lot of great articles have come out where it says, you know, at best case scenario, he's, he's creating an unusual way of getting closer with his players and, and finding team unity. And at worst, it's a just completely disrespect to your privacy. No, at worst, it's predatory and manipulative behavior that he's trying to study his players on and find out what their reaction is to. And I'd argue who he can trust and who he can't trust because there's some guys there that didn't say anything. And there's other guys there that absolutely had things to say. And clearly, this is not the mess that the Columbus Blue Jack- Jackets wanted to start a season. This was supposed to be starting of good days. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, this was not a move that the... Columbus Blue Jackets made reluctantly as you'll recall they came out and defended the whole thing they issued statements saying that this was a gross you know misrepresentation of what happens well fast forward to today and Mike Babcock good riddance doesn't have a job in the NHL you think Columbus Blue Jackets was just like I don't want the PR storm no they had players lining up to their offices saying what is this guy's deal didn't feel comfortable at all and I don't even like that Boone Jenner got put into a situation, right? Like the situation that he has to issue a statement as the team captain, the team went to him was like let's clear this up. That puts him in a weird situation. Asking Johnny Gaudreau about it and him saying that it's unfortunate that like that's pinning the players against the team. Well, he got be- Johnny for Johnny to be fair, I mean He was like
2: Josh Morrissey. That story broke while everyone was in Vegas. Exactly. He was sitting down with Elliot and those guys, and they asked him about it, and he answered. the
1: opportunity to address it. That's what I'm saying. I'm not, it's just what, like, people go, what, you're just going to disregard what Boone Jenner and Johnny Goudreau said? No, I'm not going to disregard that, and I don't think every player had a horrible experience. I just don't understand the methods to this. Whatever happened to taking people out for lunch or dinner? You want to get to know somebody's (laughs) family? How about you invite them on trip? you know, the the, the father's trips or the mother's trips mm-hmm. they have or, or or catch them when you can. Like, you need to figure that all out before September. Mike Babcock knows better, man. He's part of that era. He's part of the greasy, greasy junior hockey days of the 80s and 90s where you use that mental manipulation to your power. Good riddance, Mike Babcock. We'll never. The best part about this whole thing is that we're never going to have to talk about this guy getting another opportunity because it took him less than a game be exposed again and just that kind of behavior i hope it rings across the rest of the nhl that you know what you can build there's lots of ways to build camaraderie and relationships and have that closeness with a team asking them to go through your photos on your cell phone is just a gross gross exercise and i'm glad it got exposed for what it got exposed
2: well absolutely i mean uh, listen it's unfortunate that I mean, it's unfortunate that however it came to be that, you know, Babcock was coming back and I'm not saying I'm against second chances for people, but um, I, I think Mike Babcock has shown enough his, of his true colors to people that had worked for him for year after year. And I asked this before, I mean, who's a Mike Babcock guy? There's people lining up around the corner to say that this guy's one of the worst human beings they've ever been and, and, and did a whole bunch of things that were over the line as a head coach I mean with the exception of that puff piece that Pierre wrote about him in January which I mean gets to the whole relationship between some of these hockey figures and the insiders or people of power within the media oh. you know favors are done back and forth I mean that was a favor make no mistake about it um, other than that I can't think of one person like despite all the success that he's had that stands up and say you know what I'm a Mike Babcock guy he was awesome I don't know where all this is coming from. I haven't had those experiences with him. I,
1: have you heard one? I haven't. I haven't heard a single guy advocate no. for him. You know what I mean? I don't. And 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 it's it just shows to me the lack of creativity on some teams. Like you have Pascal Vincent, who's been waiting for this opportunity, has worked his way up the ranks, has done enough to build that respect, you know, amongst the players. He now gets the opportunity he probably should have had before. But even if you go outside of him, I mean, is there like I look at Calgary? It's the same story. <laughs> right? You have Daryl Sutter coming in, you have you, you know, he comes in, brings that old school approach to maybe an immature locker room, right? As we're, we were led to know, be told in, in Calgary, gets them to first place in the division and then is hated the next year because his methods, although it worked for wins and losses, didn't work in the locker room. And it's just like, let's move on from these these old school coaches. I mean, even if you look at Mike Babcock, like this is the other narrative that I hate. And I hope that, that that's kind of come out of this and some of the stories and where, where I hope that this, you know, is proof that we're, we're changing here. Like, you know, we, we heard, like, he Mike Babcock's been doing this since he was in Detroit, he was doing this in Toronto, and now he's doing it in Columbus. And, and the word is, you know, or, or you know, common refrain is, is that, you know, if it was that bad, players would have come forward already. We would have already known about that. I, I completely disagree with that sentiment. I don't believe that to be the case whatsoever. In fact, I think players are more empowered today than they ever have been. You're going to go against Mike Babcock in his Detroit years and his Toronto years. The guy signed a, what a six-year, six-year deal for how much was it again? Like or eight million a year, highest-paid coach a year. in NHL so, history. So you're going to go after Mike Babcock back then? You're more likely to go after Mike Babcock today than you ever were. Decades ago, and that's why no one said anything. Because you say something back then, you're not playing in the NHL ever again. You know what I mean? And, and it was the same thing with the Kyle Beach stuff. Nobody wants to say anything. You know, like you know why that sh- this shit doesn't happen in other sports? Is because the upbringings that that basketball players have, that football players have, you know, they grew up a lot earlier in life. Like, like their their social lives are completely different. So if a coach tries to be you know, tries to pull something like this. It's not buttoned up. Let's keep it as a team. It's like, what the hell is this guy doing? And so I'm hoping that instances like this and results like this, because I'll give, you know, I think the Blue Jackets have a lot to be looking inside them right now. But at least they went and made the the difficult move because the last thing the Blue Jackets wanted was to have this on the eve of training camp. This is going to affect their season. There's no doubt about it. So I, I just I hope that the two things that come out of this is that players feel more comfortable coming forward in situations they're not comfortable with, that people say something, and then on top of that, that these coaches have a better idea and these teams have a better idea of what flies and what doesn't.
2: Yeah, and you know, Frankie Carrado had a great comment because, I mean, he's one of those guys that despises Babcock for the way that he was treated under his watch. But he also played for torts. He goes, listen, torts isn't everybody's cup of tea. And courts, Torts will get in your face and tell you that you're playing like garbage or whatever it is. And he says, sometimes it's harsh, but it's direct, it's honest, and you know exactly where you stand with John Tortorella. He said the worst thing about Mike Babcock is that he was the opposite of that. He would play those mind games. He would say things about you to your teammates to elsewhere, exactly. and then would treat you like less of a person. Like my God, the stories of guys that were like the scratches for Babcock. Um, I mean, how that has any role in building up a team of a guy that you might need to help you win a hockey game at some point? It just makes absolutely no sense to me. I'm I, the
1: guy in charge here. I'm the one who, you know, I'm the one who 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 makes the decisions around here. It's not a team based thing. I think Mike Babcock's the furthest from it. And I'm glad you brought up John Tortorella because on the road last year, I tried my darndest to get somebody, and it wasn't like I was trying to write a story about it, to get someone to say negative about John Tortorella, and not one guy would. Not one single guy would. The only guy that we know that doesn't like John Tortorella is a guy who pretty much quit in his last game of the Winnipeg Jets. You know what I mean? And and from what I understand, Tortorella wasn't even part of that. That wasn't even part of why Pierre Dubois wanted to leave Mm Columbus. So you have a guy who, and players appreciate honesty. And John Terrell is going to be that guy that if you might have hated him while you played for him or didn't like him, at the end of your career, you're going to look back on and be, you know what? I kind of of owe him a few different things. You know, he was honest with me. He was real with me. He challenged my ego. He did all these things. You know, he's out there. And he's a different guy behind closed doors. I know a lot of people who think John Terrell is a very warm, honest, caring guy who just gives it, you know, tells it how it is. Mike Babcock is a mental manipulator who at the end of guys' careers, regardless of what their success is going to be, is going to be this guy is an absolute, you know, insert negative word, you know, and and that's going to be the case.
2: Torts uh, is honest with people and actually I think forces a lot of people to be honest with themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Now the tactics that he uses, uh, uh, you know, but the way, I mean, there's a lot of people that can't handle criticism and listen, can you do that in a regular job? Probably not. But I think a lot of businesses, a lot of relationships would be a lot better if people were just frank and honest about where people stand and you move on from that. I, that was the exact opposite. By the way, I've got, I've got to give a shout out to Frosty Winnipeg, who in the chat just went with the Jets. Bones, don't ask to see, uh, see the photos on their phones, please. Bones. Bones. I have a flip phone, man. What? They have photos on these things now?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Which pretty much sums up Rick Bonus in, uh, in 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 so many words. Well,
2: and you know what the funny thing is, is, Bones is a guy that's been around more than anyone. And I think, you know, it certainly seems from everything that we've heard about the type of player a person Rick Bonus is and part of the big reason why I think he's the coach of this hockey team right now. Is that he's learned from a lot of guys, but at the end of the day, he is a great communicator and he is someone that, um, you know, seems to be a guy that can earn both the trust and the admiration of player of of his players, um, that actually know that he feels how he feels them about players, but also as individuals and as humans, which is the exact opposite of Mike Babcock. But Jeff, you know, it was brought up in the chat um about Stan Bowman and Joel Quinville and what's interesting about this is that Quinville and Bowman were actually at the GM's meetings with the coaches I believe last week speaking to them and that I mean my pal Gabe Morenzi of course had a a take on this like what are they doing telling them what the best route is when you have to cover something up like it was It does seem strange, but considering this was sort of the first second chance, and again, we're talking about very different things with what Babcock did than certainly the cover-up with the Kyle Beach situation in Chicago, but how do you think how quickly this ended and how badly this ended for the Columbus Blue Jackets? How might that affect the future of Bowman and Quenville, who many people thought were quite close to getting their second chance in the NHL?
1: Yeah, like, so I have a couple trains of thought. One, I think it's probably any of those teams that were on the fence or feeling, you know, probably not even on the fence, weren't thinking it was a great idea, but were still entertaining the idea. I imagine look at this kind of situation, see the backlash that comes with it. And that backlash is going to come over the hiring and whether, you know, whether it's fair or not, it's going to be if and when, you know, Bowman and Quendell get hired. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be, if it was soon, it would be front and center. It's still going to be something that's going to be in the back of people's minds. Surely. I think it's going to be in the back of teams' minds. Um, And I hope it's in the back of Quenville and Stan Bowman's mind, because look, if you look at all my history and I obviously have had, you know, incredibly, you know, takes or opinions, strong opinions, you know, on this subject matter uh, in, around sport, hockey, and otherwise, I've never advocated for losing jobs. You know, even with the Kevin Sheveldeoff stuff, you know, I got a lot of it in my inbox and, you know, on on Twitter and whatnot saying, oh, yeah, you just want people to lose their jobs. Go check the receipts. I've never once written that anybody should lose their jobs. I think the important part about this and what I've learned in my what I've learned in my, you know, years of of research and and being close with groups around the city and, and the country, you know, whether it's just you know, youth centers or, or whatever, advocacy, advocacy centers of, of any sorts of abuse. It's not necessarily for, you know, strict retribution. You want to see that they're learning from their mistakes. Joel Quenbull and Stan Bowman made some serious mistakes, you know, some serious mistakes in judgment, some serious mistakes in not not investigating things that they probably didn't want to investigate. And they paid dearly, you know, for that with their jobs. So I'm not, I'm not the kind of person who's just like, okay, what if, you know, what if even with Babcock coming back, you know, it's like, I'm not jumping on these guys, you know, why are you giving them a job? I, I never, you know, mentioned anything about Babcock when he got the job. I thought it was interesting. I hope that he'd gone through, you know, he was coaching, you know, Canadian university for a while. I think maybe he was humble. Maybe he comes back and he's a different guy and he learns from his mistake. Clearly not it. You know, and I think you look at the Bill Peters thing. Was it the Bill Peters that just got a job, you know, in, in, Whatever, yeah, like, in the dub he never talked to a like he didn't he reached out like something like 24 hours before yeah. he accepted the job so it's just like another example like if these guys truly all i think people are looking for are what most people are looking for particularly people in that you know that industry like the advocacy groups and the people who are really opinionated about it they're looking for for examples of how you've learned from your mistakes whether that be going through workshops whether that be self-reflection whatever it may be and then coming up with you know, being a good person out of it. And maybe it becomes a good story. So I'm not anti-Bowman or anti Quenville ever getting a job in the NHL again, but I'd want to see some, if I'm a team, it's not just one of those, like, have a 45-minute conversation with the guy over lunch and be impressed by what he has to tell you. I want to see tangible things and examples of how this affected him and changed his life and what he would do differently, right? Because that's the thing that we never get to hear publicly whether it be for legal reasons or just morally bankrupt ones is that no one ever admits they did something wrong and if you're not admitting that you did something wrong then why would you get another what 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 leads teams to believe that you're going to do anything different and put in this situation and so you know it will be interesting i think it is a little interesting that they're at the meetings whatever that could be for i think those are probably just as much to meet with the nhl and continue the the dialogue of, of returning because you know You know, you know the NHL would bring him back if not for the backlash. Right. And that's where I don't have a lot of trust. Like that's where I don't have a lot of trust in teams. Where I was kind of getting on when I originally started to answer this question about being on the fence, I think there's still gonna be four or five, six teams that don't give a shit about what he did, you know, with the Chicago Blackhawks. Don't don't think that he was responsible for anything and and don't care if, you know, outside of 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 winning hockey games. I think that's gonna always exist uh, in the NHL. So I wouldn't be surprised if he came back. I just hope. You know, and to prevent from another Babcock situation is that these guys actually did learn what they did. You know, what they didn't do was wrong, um, and and they and they take actionable steps to prove that they're going to be better in the future.
2: You know, one uh, one last bit on this topic, and it's not to do with those guys in Chicago. It's not to do even with Mike Babcock. It's to do with Pascal Vincent, and I feel very good for Pascal secondly, that he finally gets an opportunity to be a head coach. But the first reason I'm most happy is that he doesn't have to deal with Mike Babcock because from everything that we've heard, um, he will take advantage of his underlings, his subordinates. So first off, I think he and a lot of people in that organization dodged a bullet of what would have been a miserable run. Um, But the other side of it, Jeff, is that he gets a chance in a very unique situation circumstance to become a head coach. Lots of people around here think the work that he's done, he was ready for it. Part of the reason why he went to Columbus was he thought that would fast track or get him in a better situation to become a head coach. Um, What do you make of the opportunity and the challenge to Pascal Vincent to come in as a very different person than Mike Babcock and lead this, uh, lead this hockey club um, with a bunch of really talented young players that obviously were spooked by the way they were handled by the old guy. And, uh, and if anything, what the way that he got the job and everything that happened in the past week does to the way he may operate
1: as the coach of CBJ. Well, here's the good news for Columbus Blue Jackets organization and their fans, is that if Mike Babcock is the standard of how not to handle your players, young players in particular, Pascal Vincent might be the standard of how to how to handle your younger players the right way. And I think that is going to be an, a very important part of this. I think um, Pascal Vincent as a communicator mm-hmm. is, is, is very strong at that. I mean, obviously he made his way up through the Manitoba Moose. He was dealing with these guys, right? These young players who you know have issues with their ego, pride, all these things. Like he knows how to handle the modern day NHL player. And he's been doing it long enough now where I think it boosts him up in the reputation part, right? Because there's no doubt in my mind, that there are veteran players in every NHL locker room that when a new coach gets you know takes over they're looking at their resume whether they were a player or whether they were a long long time coach and you know fair or not fair some people get judged based on you know that type of experience and you know Pascal never played in the NHL he was never really a head you know he dabbled up in like assistant coaching and whatnot but was never a head coach and and so this is his opportunity and he's worked his way that's the other part that players appreciate they Appreciate guys who work, you know, their cans off, make it up through every level, do well at every level, and then get their shot. So these players are going to want to play for him. They're going to want to play for his first season, and they might even be rallied now um, to play for him. Given what happened to Mike, that part. what I think is really fascinating is that I wonder what that locker room is, right? Now. You know, or there, there's got to be some guys that are just like, WTF? We don't have a coach. What's going on? Who said something? Whatever. There's going to be some. It's not smooth sailing in that locker room, I don't think. I don't necessarily think it's broken or fractured per se, but there certainly needs to be some addressing, some talking to. And and I think that's where Pascal is going to be, you know, is going to make his hay, is his ability to bring everyone together, to make sense of the situation, to move on from the situation, but also not ignore the situation. Because the last thing you want to do here is just pretend like this didn't happen. You don't need to dwell on it. I'm not saying it's going to be some week-long exercise of talking about it. That's not what I'm suggesting. But you got a guy that's not going to ignore the elephant in the room. And once you acknowledge that, then you can start moving forward from it. And I think this is an awesome opportunity for a a great person and a great coach on what I think should be an exciting, young, upcoming, disciplined team. You know what? I mean, it's bizarre. Like this past week for that organization and everybody
2: involved has probably been a real roller coaster and kind of awkward and definitely uncomfortable for some of the key players. But I actually think that this team is going to have a great training camp. I think the atmosphere around it is going to be great. Like you asked what the feeling in that within that locker room is? I think every single player to a man thinks that they just dodged a bullet. I mean, like, yeah, they're hearing more and more about the background of this guy and anyone that didn't have any contact with him. Listen, they know that he's won the gold medals and he's won the Stanley Cup, but they're also hearing all these other horror stories about it. They absolutely dodged a bullet. And then I think Pascal goes in, takes this head on. I'm going to treat you guys as men. This is the culture we're building here. I think we all know here in Manitoba, he is very much capable of doing that. And... uh I think in a lot of ways that this could be, it's weird to say it, but actually a good thing for that team unit and probably a good thing for Pascal as opposed to if they just went and hired him and he had the whole summer to come in and he's this kind of unknown guy that was a coach in the minors and in junior, we don't know much about him. They're kind of forced to come together. But man, the big takeaway, if I'm a Columbus Blue Jacket, whoo!
1: We dodged a bullet. I wonder if that is it, though. I I, I agree wholeheartedly with you, Huss, on that sentiment. But I wonder. I wonder if, you know, I wonder if there isn't a you know there was a big reluctance to make the big move that they made, and, and what 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 the feeling is amongst whether it be executives or the coaching staff all the way down to the players. There's certainly some players clearly that are happy with. With what uh, with with the decision, I'm sure there's some players that might not be just given you know the your repercussions to the season. But I do think you know as as we both agree, I think Pascal is the guy that's going to come in and be able to massage all that. Um, you know, again, not well, ignore even like Boon Jenner and Johnny Gaudreau. Like, you think those
2: guys want to be seen as the guys that are Babs's guys in the locker room, especially well, when all that other and,
1: BS was happening. And they, like, and they and that's the unfortunate part is that they've they've set themselves up to do that. You know what I mean? And that's kind of that is the unfortunate part, you know, and you hear, and you know, we talked about it. It's a tough situation. It's not like I, it's not like I'm suggesting that, you know, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman put them in a tough spot. They did their jobs. That's the number one news of the day. And they have, you know, arguably the biggest leader in, you know, in that room or at least one of them and Johnny Goudreau, you're going to ask him about it. I just think he, that's, uh, you know, that's being put in between a rock and a hard place. And I wonder and that's why I wonder what the situation's gonna be in the locker room because you have younger guys that went to the NHL PA when interviewed and, and said they were look, this isn't guys being like, ah yeah, I thought that was kind of creepy, but so be it. This was guys who were who were weirded out by it, who you know
2: who would didn't not like be it. weird by their new boss taking their phone outside, like off of team premises, and for a number of minutes going through their phone. Yeah, and like i guarantee Absolutely. you that was not what happened with boone jenner that didn't happen with johnny gaudreau exactly. that wouldn't have played with those guys exactly. Exactly. and listen that's why they were able to get the. listen i i fully believe that johnny gaudreau answered the question that was asked him honestly he said yeah it was no big deal i just had a kid whatever we went through this stuff um and as far as boone jenner goes he's the captain like i highly doubt mike babcock sat down and goes let me see what kind of guy you are and go through your phone but I do believe that he would do that with some of those younger players. That's obviously what the Chicklets guys were tipped off about. That is obviously what came out in Marty Walsh and Ron Hainsey's investigation. And that is obviously what got Babs' ass fired or, excuse me, resigned on the weekend, so and, and that's what manipulators do. They realize that absolutely you're, they're treating different people behavior, differently. Man. No matter
1: how you call it, it's predatory behavior. And and the, and the fact of the matter is, is like that's. I'm glad you brought Biz back up too, because you know I know a lot of people look at Paul Beeson that and and you know don't like some of the way you know, the language he uses and the words he uses to get his point across and whatnot. Not, but I got to give him a ton of credit because if he doesn't blow if he doesn't blow this up, it's not coming out you know he's he's defending players in in a league that doesn't allow players to speak up so i got to, i give him tons of credit for what he did and kept going on but when they when you know when they when they went after him and with those comments and you know bill daly was going on that's another thing the nhl man like these we could have a whole episode like bill daly is fresh into this and he's going on the comments and everyone's saying you know this isn't nearly what it you know what it's what it's made out to be how stupid does bill daly look today really stupid um, as one of the faces of this league. So, you know, I give a ton of credit to Paul Bissonnette um, for, for bringing it to the, you know, to the public and letting the public figure, letting the public fig- do its thing and letting the teams figure it out. And sure enough, let's end it to where we started, Huss, because I'm tired of talking about Mike Bodcock. Good riddance. See you later.
2: Yeah, no, and Biz, I, I don't think there's anyone else in the hockey media and certainly history has shown it with the courage to do what he did. Totally. And when there was pushback, Uh, Those dudes doubled down on it Um, and credit to TBS for kind of standing for their guy. I know it was somewhat crude. I personally wouldn't have used some of the, the, the colorful language that he had with a couple of his takes after it originally came. Um, But him and wit do have a lot of power and they obviously have a lot of trust of the players. And I don't think there is, for anyone that questions them, their, their format, um, their platform, There is simply nobody in hockey media that has got a more direct line in to players right now in the NHL. And um, that is one thing to think about it. Hey, before we go, um, we are going to be focusing on the home team here. Uh, What do you think Thursday is going to be like? First day of training camp um, around the Winnipeg Jets. Um, Everyone's been skating here. The prospects are coming on. And I talked to Ted and he goes, well, I'm pretty sure I know where it's going to start. And it's going to start with number 55 and number 37. But like, what do you anticipate Thursday, first day of camp to be like, in particular for the guys that we and the entire hockey world have been talking about their futures all summer?
1: Well, I think what's going to happen is 37 or 55 is going to be made available. 37 and 55 probably won't be made available. Just the way the Jets do things, they tend to spread, you know, each star out day to day or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what the whole, that's what the whole training camp is going to be about. And, and a good chunk of the narrative throughout the, the season is, is it going to be one and done five. with
2: those guys with speaking? I mean, like, are they going to, do you think that we'll hear, Hey, you know what? Like, what can I do? We're excited for the upcoming season. I mean, I I am here right now. There's not really anything I can control. Um, we're here. It's great to see the guys. We're going back and I don't really have much more to more to comment on it. Like, can that is there a way they can both sort of put that to bed at well, least? They're meeting with,
1: the, they're meeting with uh, our friend Scott Brown of the Winnipeg Jets and they're coming out with what they're gonna say. I mean, this is it, the team and the player that's just good business needs to be on the same page. And so I'm sure, you know, there's no doubt there's no doubt about it that you know, they're going to come out and they're going to address the questions because they are, are answer the questions they, they're going to have to. I mean, I don't think the questions are, you know, are, are crazy to answer, I, you know, you but how they're going to answer, how truthfully they're, they're going to answer will be interesting. And and while I'm sure they'll have this, you know, this in their answer, like I, I, this is the last I want to speak about it, or the last I want to say about it and all those things. I mean, that's great. I guess that's the last you're going to hear about it in Winnipeg for a day or two. But you know, whether it's the end of camp or every city you go to from every market that, that you know, wants to talk to you. Like as soon as the Jets, I mean, it's going to be like that in every NHL city. But as soon as the Jets go to, say, Toronto or, you know, any you know, Montreal or any he- other heavy hockey market, I mean, there's going to be, that's going to be the first question to both those guys. And until they have, you know, another year in place or they're traded, those questions are going to be coming. I mean, you don't need to get their answer on the questions every single day. Um you know, because it's not going to change, but there are going to be milestones throughout the season. That you know, if the Jets are in the playoffs, are they trade? Are, are are they keeping them? If the Jets are out of the playoffs, are, you know, when are they trading them and for who? And I still don't think that trading either of those players is is out of the realm of possibility, a la Patrick Liney early into the season. We'll, we'll see what happens here, but that's kind of the thing that that you know it makes it such a a year long story is that these guys could essentially get dealt at any point in time during the season so of course the the early narrative is going to be well what's you know do you want to stay are you are you hoping to get a deal done are you surprised to be here all those things are need, needed to be asked and needed to be answered but once they're asked and answered I think you know I I'd like to think that you know we'll go on status quo business as usual as this team looks to uh looks to you know fight for a playoff spot again and and, and do more than than a five game exit in the first round so you know we're gonna we're gonna get our answers to those questions Players are going to be ready for them, but you know, after that, it's you know, let's let's get going. It's it's hockey's here, and, and some of that other stuff will will take care of itself if and when it happens.
2: Yeah, definitely looking forward to uh, Thursday, the weekend. Never asked me about you. Never week. asked me about
1: captaincy. You never asked me about my new teammate in Kenny Weeb, which I'm super excited about. Well, we got into hey, listen. I mean, we've not, been we've been going on for too go, long. For sure, we're not going anywhere. Well, oh, the I thought you were wrapping up
2: the captaincy. Um, I guess, yes, you did come on the day before it was announced. We talked about it a lot. I, know, I mean, listen, Adam Lowry, I mean, I don't know, unless you have some big contrarian take that this was a big mistake and he has no business being a captain. Everyone, hey, it was going down to one of two guys. I don't know if they could have made a bad choice. And he's uh, he's going to have a lot on his plate, you know, to go But I think he's probably a good guy. But, but unless you disagree with that, let's get to Ken. Um, no, I don't
1: disagree with that, but I would say this that I was I've been saying Lowry's gonna be captain for like a year now or half a year now. And I, you know, it was always Josh Morrissey or Hamlet. Oh, so this is a victory lap is what a little you bit of a are, lap okay. to well, a certain that's, that's degree. You know that. what I mean? Like I've been saying it, I've been saying it on Kenny and Rennie's show, I've been saying it on your show. I asked guys throughout the year, and there was a to a man, the sentiment was Adam. I mean, it was like it was almost like in one one player said. It would almost be like, it wouldn't be shocking necessarily. Like, it's not like everybody would be floored if Adam didn't get the captaincy, but everyone would just kind of look around each other and be like, what happened? So that, I, like, that, was, that, that, to me, kind of sold it. And I mean, I think Adam's a great captain. Josh would have been a great captain too, but I think when it comes down to it, Adam will be able to handle the burden of being a C um, better than Blake did and better than Josh would, I'd argue. Yeah, well, I mean, I think if we just look back at last season, I
2: mean, like, listen, after that game against St. Louis at the end of January when Morrissey put the team on his back and everything, I'm like, what are we waiting for? Put the C on his chest right now. We just saw it. There's no question about it. As the season went down the tubes for that last couple months, listen, there was a lot on his shoulders. He was the guy, and I think he was wearing it a little bit more. And even Adam Lowry, who went through an extended slump, he didn't score for 30-odd games, He was kind of out there speaking, and then when everything was on the line at the end of the season, Adam Lowry was the Jets' best player heading into the playoffs and in the playoffs, Uh, but to me, it was the game against Minnesota. I mean, I think that game, him going up against Reeves, all the other BS that was happening in that, you know, the response of the team when he came through the tunnel, everything we saw, to me, I kind of think that might have been the moment that pretty much told everyone everything they needed to know, because there was a lot of reasons why both guys would have been a good, uh, a good man for the job.
1: For sure. And I think the one thing that tips Adam over, and I I kind of alluded to it with the burden of wearing the C is, is you're going to get a guy who day in and day out, you know, he might not be as consistent as a Josh Morrissey or a Mark Shifley or or whatever on the ice. Right. When we saw him dip through those 30 games and find his game in the back half of the season, Um, you want more consistency out of every player, let alone your captain. But where his consistency is going to be most important is off the ice. He's going to show up every single day exactly the same. You know, he's not not going to be a bitter guy one day, you know, super nice guy the next day. He's going to be Adam Lowry every day of the season. And you need that from your captain. You need that consistency from your captain. They didn't have that with Blake Wheeler. He was a good player. He gave his heart out to the team. But that guy showed up not the same every single day. And that's what Adam Lowry is going to bring to the table, that consistency, that level-headedness, that ability to breathe in a room and handle those situations. And I think that's what that's what put him over the edges. Guys.
2: Well, you know what? The other thing is the way that he treats people. And I'm not going to make this about Blake and anything behind the scenes. But uh, Adam Lowry, you talk to the media. You talk to the guys working in the dressing room. You talk to the guys at the security door at the arena.
1: You talk to the person at the Starbucks. I was going to say 7-Eleven, Birchwood, Birchwood Automotive Group, wherever, wherever. Uh, it, it, listen,
2: uh, unimpeachable character. And listen, you learn a lot about people, about the way they treat those when no one's watching. Like it's it's easy to go up in front of a microphone and be on your best behavior and do all that stuff. It's the way that I, I I believe the true measure of a person's character is what they do when no one is watching. And again, I'm not going to point any figures at anything in the past. I will just say that Adam Lowry is at the top of the power pole of that entire organization of guys that do that. And that, to me, is another great, great... um uh, uh great thing for a captain of an NHL team or frankly a leader of any business to do. That is the sort of example you want to set and uh, I think that'll be a very good thing for the hockey club as well. Tell us about Ken coming on board. You want to talk about a big late late off-season free agent signing. Mm. You guys got a bit of a murderers row going
1: over there under Big J Bell. Yeah, absolutely. So super excited to have Kenny on the team. It's, you know, I've always felt like Kenny was a teammate you know, in, in one way or another. So, so to have him as a as him as him a, a real teammate, you know, with the Winnipeg Free Press, such a great get. You know, it's awesome to have a guy who's as passionate and as focused and as dedicated to the jet speed as Kenny is and has been for a long time. It's amazing that we're adding people uh, to a newspaper, is. which is just, you know, incredible in and of itself. Awesome. And it's, uh, you know, it's going to, it's just going to put two, you know, Mike and, you know, And Mike McIntyre obviously as well, you know, and, and, you know, I'll be helping out on jets too, but it it frees me up to do a bit more longer read stories, features, you know, that I think that's one of the things we've been missing in our department is some of those longer reads just based out of time. And, and uh, of course, it's going to get me back into some more investigative work, some of where my, uh, my true passion lies. So I'm, I'm absolutely to the moon to have Kenny on our team and and to bring, you know, bring the standard of coverage that our readers expect and, and to have a good guy along the way too, because, you know, there is no, uh, as many people in the chat and everywhere around can attest to, uh, I don't think there's a nicer human being out there uh, than, uh, than Aces.
2: Kenny versus Adam Lowry in a nice off tomorrow <laughs> <Yeah. on WS. laughs> Hey, yeah, you know what? Yeah. Listen, happy for both of those dudes. They deserve it. And, uh, as I say, at the end of the day, I think it's good for the hockey club with Adam getting his gig, and it's certainly good for free press readers and Winnipeg hockey fans to have that sort of commitment from our local newspaper, um, to expand, not to mention to have you guys boots on the ground at the games. It is a, uh, it is a great thing. Hammer, you're the best. I mean, we could do this for another hour. Maybe we will very soon. Have a great one. Have a great one this evening. Enjoy your extended time away from the paper. And, uh,
1: but I know you're, I know you're working on a lot of things, which is exciting. Yeah. I look forward to catching up with you this week and, uh, we'll, uh, yeah exciting things on the horizon looking forward to it and just thanks for having me on and we could have done another hour you know this group's no the best you know and uh, as I, I think i've missed the last few times but the commenters you guys know you make this show thanks so much for your uh for, for tuning in to hit that there, like hey what is it smash, that like, smash yes. that like button smash uh, yeah. that like button
2: yeah and hit is? the subscribe button while
1: you're at it but <laughs> definitely hit that thumbs up we
2: got 122 thanks for doing this hammer awesome as always Thanks a lot, my friend. Uh, there is uh, the man himself, Jeff Hamilton, of the Winnipeg Free Press. All right. Um, got to thank the gang over at Princess Auto. Uh, and I'll tell you what, that Princess Auto tailgate zone a week from Thursday, a week from Friday is going to be unreal. Hopefully the weather will be nice. Uh, but I know Wade and the gang put up, uh, you know, fire pits and whatnot there last year when things get a little cool. But uh, fall football is amazing. Friday night, Argos Bombers. will be there early. Two hours before the game at the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone. Of course, Princess Auto, very proud sponsors of the Bombers, the CFL, and Winnipeg Sports Talk. And the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Find them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panit Road, Portage Avenue West. Or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Still some Beautiful weather coming up this week. And that's great news for the gang at Consolidated Supply, who have been so busy all summer long as the leaders in irrigation systems, as well as artificial turf. And of course, club cars and other vehicles is the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. Uh, but Consolidated Supply has other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options. And 12 months a year. They are the experts and leaders in small engine parts and small engine repair. Pop by and see them at their showroom. Open to the public. They're at 1395 Niaqua Road East. Or you can find out more online at their website at cte.ca. I saw Dallas in chat. What up, Dal? Uh, Mentioning the Royal Sports tent sale on the weekend. I told you all that last week. I mean, there is simply nothing like a Royal Sports tent sale. Um man, there was a ton of people, and there was a ton of great deals with thousands of pairs of shoes and more going out at more than 50% off. Um, well, we might have to wait for a little bit of tent sale. There's still great deals all year long at Royal Sports. Check out their bomber gear, check out their great selection of Jets gear for the upcoming season. Not to mention maybe a new jersey, I follow, Villardi, one of those players. They've got you covered. NFL and the best hockey selection in town with hockey players working in the store to get you the right fit, the right equipment for the player in your family. Royal Sports, the original hockey superstore and so much more. 750 Pemina Highway. And make sure to follow them on Instagram at Royal Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. We got a Monday Night Football doubleheader tonight. Two games. Saints and Carolina kicking off at 6.15. And then an hour, hour and 15 minutes later, AFC North brawl between the Steelers and the Browns. Looking forward to it. Um, I went with my pals last week. The BP Taylor had a great time for that game. I think I might end up at the one in St. with my brother tonight. We're going to pick our jet seats. Uh, But Boston Pizza is such a great spot to go for Monday Night Football. Great deals all night long. And of course, those delicious Boston wings, gourmet pizzas, ice cold schooners, and your chance to win some great prizes, including new NFL jerseys and a trip to Vegas later on this year. And hey, if you're staying in tonight, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get Remo in here. I knew that I knew this show would probably go a little long, and it certainly will go long because we, uh, have to get to some lines. We'll talk more about these games tonight. I do want to talk about yesterday's day in the National Football League. And um, maybe we give the Blue Jays some love right now, Remus, because I'm not sure we're going to have a lot of time later on. But I know we were borderline writing eulogies for the Blue Jays on Friday. How about that weekend? Three straight wins while Texas and Seattle get swept. And uh, the Jays are good. They're back in the playoffs, getting ready for the very disappointing New York Yankees beginning tomorrow.
3: Yeah, the bats have woken up. I saw Vlad Goro Jr. Uh, with a couple big hits. And yeah, you're looking at the wild card. And there they are uh, in the playoffs. Uh, the second wild card behind Tampa, ahead of Texas. Seattle one game back. And there's, I mean, there's two weeks of, of uh, games left. So every game is like a playoff game. It changes every day. And you go on a little win streak. And... Cancels out the losing streak. So here we go. Many uh, people saying you potentially
2: mushed the Mariners by your public support of them with that Mariners jersey at the trivia night last Wednesday.
3: Yeah, they've been... They had that hot August, and they haven't been able to fall out. I still like uh, like their pitching. I did rock a Mariners jersey. and Oh, they have Brian Wu going tight against the Athletics. Um, I think they should... Win that one, and you know maybe they'll be back. Uh, you know, and step with the Jays there. So still, lots, lots left.
2: Oh, hey, listen, Royals in the chat. What's up, gang? Leaps and bounds by far since the announcement. Number seventeen, Lowry with the C has been the big Jets jersey so far. Mm. Love it. That is, you know, that is great. I think there was a lot of people waiting for this, and um, as I say, as far as decisions go, this has been about as popular and as unanimously approved, I think, by fans media, players, um, anyone connected to the, uh, to the Winnipeg Jets. So it's nice to see those 17s with the C are getting ordered down at Royal Sports. Might be a great addition as we get ready for the upcoming season.
3: Yeah, I've, you know, I've had this Ice Caps jersey in my closet for a while. I've been wondering who to put on it. Do I put on Morrissey, Shifley, Hellebuck? Now that Lowry's the C, maybe we go with Lowry. Ice Caps? Yeah, Ice Caps. Number 47, Adam Lowry in the ice cap. <laughs> Speaking of uh, you know high numbers, we do have some high numbers at the uh, Young Stars, too. Barlow, 49.
2: Yeah, I think that might have been his number in... Uh,
3: oh, is in that his real number? Two, if I'm
2: not mistaken. Ooh. Which, again, is a pretty weird number. Man,
3: that's his regular Sounds number? Sounds like a
2: training camp number to me. Oh, but...
3: 39 for Owen Sound. Sorry,
2: 39. Uh, I don't know, Enstrom's man. That's a pretty bad number. I don't Toby? know
3: Anstramore, 39. Hey. I'm trying to think. That's like that's not a forward number. I don't like that. Although I will say that what I don't like. How about Powell on Hamilton? Zero? Rocking number zero. What is that? The worst. The worst. I can't, I can't take him seriously. I've seen some um NFL can wear zero now for like the first time. Like Devontae Smith. Not Devontae Smith. Uh, DeAndre Swift rocking yeah. zero. Was is isn't Ridley zero too? They really? actually have like good players with zero. It's kind of crazy. Usually zeros for a guy who's barely on the team. Zero's yeah, a hot I don't number. Know
2: why? I don't know. You're just asking yourself when you have a bad game, what did you do today? Absolutely nothing. Just like your number, you know.
3: <laughs> I, yeah, I can I just can't believe a quarterback would wear zero. That should be illegal, I think.
2: Hey, speaking of uh, speaking of numbers, um, Rewind, I know we promised to do this a little earlier on, but I know there's a lot of people that, you know, kind of want the latest on Jets camp. Why don't you yes. pull up and uh, if you can, I'm just going to grab a quick drink here. Uh, fill out the, uh, uh, let them know about the two groups for the so, training camp. That's uh, beginning on Thursday.
3: Yeah, I should have got to, I didn't realize Jeff was going to spend uh, 40 minutes on Mike Babcock. I would have got to it at the start. I had to, I had to weigh in too. I want to be heard, but the Jets... Sending out their training camp roster and schedule. Training camp does get underway Thursday at the Hockey for All Center, 10 a.m. And they have announced the groups. I was so excited to hear what they are. Um, You got Team Newman Team Salani. Love the names. Well done, Jets. I guess that was last year when they were in the Hall of Fame. There hasn't really been a Jets Hall of Fame announcement this year. I did see some people in chat hoping for a uh, Dustin Bufflin reunion, but here's... Okay, so here's Team Solani. I'm going to go over the list Huss, uh, of the teams. Team Solani. Ready? Millich, Salmonen, Brossois, DeMello, Dylan, Hanela, Chisholm, Oligny, uh, Bauer, Naze, Schmidt, Stewart, Kubicek. That's goalies. Defense forwards, Ifalo, Harkins, Lowry, Toninato, Appleton, Ehlers, Bon Giovanni, Lambert, Jilkin, Malat, Nita Ryder, AJF, Le- uh, Connor Levis, uh, Chibrikov, Perfetti. And they have a couple what, free agent invites there on the defense that were the Moose with Olney, Stewart, Kubatek. And on team Newman, Hellebach, Devoncentis, Delia, Pionk, Sautner, Lundmark, Morrissey, Sandberg, Salmonson, Kuzman, Stanley, Capobianco, Bianco, Forward, Nemestikov, Vlardy, Kupari. Gustafson, VL, Barron, Torgerson, Barlow, Lucius, Nickanen, Shifley, Julian, CJ Cease, back on a free agent invite, was with uh, the Sharks and Barracuda, Parker Ford, Connor, Reichel. I went through the lists. Here, okay, here's the lines that I made. Ready for these? (laughs) I love these. Training
2: camp lines for one of the two groups. Guessing
3: the lines. Now, I don't really care as much about the defense lines because, like, they switch them around all the time. Yeah. The defense, the top six is basically set for the Jets. Like, for what's going to change? Right? We know who's going to be. Here's the forwards. What's it going to be? I mean, we asked Ken Weeb, who's the second line center? I asked him like a couple- month and a half ago. Eighteen minute answer us couldn't answer it. We may do we have it right now? Okay, ready. Here is Newman, and this is what I'm projecting very early. Just guessing. I've I'm, I'm this is pure speculation.
2: All cap speculation.
3: Yeah, don't team. this is don't. This is what I just gathered. Okay. Connor, Trafley, Villardi on Numenin. Okay. Baron Namesnikov Kupari. Okay. Is this the line? Barlow, Gus, Lucius, uh, Nikonin, Horgerson, Reichel. And then I had leftover cease VL for Julian. I, I don't know. What did you think of that? Was that? I was wasn't sure about this Barlow, Gus Lucius. I don't. I don't know. I know they played with Torgerson well, before. Like, well, here's
2: the thing: Connor and Schneidley. I guess that makes sense. Although it also makes me nervous in our own end. Um, who who is getting this? Is, goes back to the ultimate Ken question: Who's yeah. getting the first crack at the you know number, well, number
3: two C? Go, go to the other group, and then you may have the answer.
2: Well, exactly. I mean, if okay. it's if, with Velardi being on that one side, he's not a yes. I know you've got Perfetti in between Nino and Healers. Yeah. Okay,
3: um, I gotta make And it.
2: yes. That really could. Part of me thinks, and again, I know it's Iaffallo that's in the other group, and Velardi's in Shifley's group. Uh, there is part of me that thinks, like with the, and again, maybe we'll find out more about these players. Uh, like Alex Ayafalo is known to be a great very responsible 200 foot player and if rick bonus is going to run with shifley and connor together to me that is the type of guy you would want to have playing with those guys um now has he been you know more or less a, a middle six player yeah um but as they say to me it's about roles uh and i'm sure he love that role if he gets the chance that being said i could absolutely see Villardi get that opportunity as well and Maybe that'd be a good thing because I think if Cole Perfetti can, can if he could get the job done at number two C, man, that honestly is one of the best case scenarios for the Winnipeg Jets this year. I'm not saying it will happen, but if he can do it, I think that's exactly the way the team would love to see things play out.
3: Yeah, so sorry, as people are requesting a graphic so I can uh, put these up. I'm just in the middle of typing yeah, well, it can, out probably should have done it before yeah, but six yeah put it
2: trust me it's 3 p.m. right now cranking out six lines of speculative
3: lines for each training camp group right now probably not totally scary. you don't fairy. you don't think i have a template ready and i can type faster than anyone out there come on come on like i already well, got you it. do you do i'm that basically said, done i'm basically done it how much time are we going to
2: continue to talk about speculative training camp lines? We
3: should have done it for 45 minutes. There's some people in chat <laughs> who are like, why are you talking about Babcock? We just got training camp. the biggest story in hockey. Yeah, we got, yeah. Who cares about Babcock? Let's talk about who's the second line center is going to be. So on team Stellani, I had, yeah, I had Ehlers, Perfetti, with Nino Niederreiter. And then I had Iafalo, Lowry, Appleton. I got the, the, Fringe line with Harkins, Tony Nato, Axel. Uh, Then I got the Young Stars line, Chibrikov, Lambert, Jilkin. Then I got Milad, Bon Giovanni, and and Levis uh, as the, what, fifth line? And now, look, they may mix up, put a young guy with some experienced guys, but I don't think they usually... Here's a training
2: camp question that needs to be asked. Yeah. Does Jeffrey Veal fight anybody in camp, or does he actually have to wait for an exhibition game... To show what he's bringing to the table uh, when it comes to dropping the gloves. Well,
3: okay. Remember last year, day one, like Dylan Rock was that last year where Dylan hit someone and Wheeler told him to calm, down? or was it Lowry told him to calm down? Who who was that?
2: Mm, great question.
3: I forget who it Can't was. Remember I don't
2: who think. It was. Let us Jeffrey know in the K. chat if you can remember who told Brendan Dylan to chill when he smoked one of his. Teammates. Yeah,
3: I forget who it was, but but do you remember it was year one? And this, they brought in um oh who was that guy big fighter, and I thought maybe he would make the team, but he didn't. Oh shit! It was year it was the first year, and I I had him on my team. I don't think Jeffrey Veal's making he's not making Jets us. I don't. I, I, I didn't ask if he was going to make the team. I asked who he was going to fight
2: in training camp, oh, or will he have to wait until an exhibition game to
3: fight? Oh, I think I think preseason. Yeah, he's he had 150 penalty minutes last year with the Barracuda. That's so hard to do. This it's year.
2: impossible. As I said yesterday, or uh, at the um, in the training camp, uh, or uh, sorry, at the trivia night, like that was one of the questions: Who was the last Jet mm-hmm. to to have 100 or more penalty minutes in the season?
3: There's a puck, and people puck that doku. went.
2: Well, no, it was Pierre Luc Dubois from a year from the year before. Um, but it's very, very rare that guys get to 100 minutes. So um, this guy's a complete gamer. Like I watched a few of the. Yeah, I believe it was Wheeler um, that uh, told Britt- Dylan to chill with the uh, with the big hits early in camp. Um, but now, listen. Do I think that Veal's going to be on the club? Probably not. And he's not even like an Anthony Peluso sort of real nuclear option, but the guy's an absolute gamer. Like, I, when they signed him, I kind of went over to hockeyfights.com and just checked out all of his scraps for the last little, uh, little bit. And like, I'm not even sure if he's got a winning record, but man, does that guy stand up and uh, stand up and deliver? So, um, guys like that always make their presence known at some point in training camp. We'll be uh, interesting to see. uh, See what happens. With Here's him.
3: the answer to my trivia. The guy who they brought in year one. I just remembered this one. David Kochi. I remember they brought him in to training camp year one. And he was like a big. He, this guy was massive. Name? He was massive. How do you spell spider. his name? K-O-C-I.
2: I'll be honest. Never heard of him. Man. I don't remember
3: that at all. I remember it. I also remember uh, they brought in Yanni. You know, year one memories at training camp. Yanni Pessinen. And I, me and Ezzy would make jokes about him all the time. Yeah, Coach, he played for Blackhawks. He's a big fighter. He had, yeah, he had 132 pims with the Lightning in 33 games, 08, 09. Huh. But, uh, yeah, Connor Rabchuk's like who? Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, Connor, guess Connor, pick...
2: you were like five when he yeah, was he playing. Yeah, he was like Don't five worry. then. <laughs> <laughs> so. I guess not that long ago, but it was.
3: I'm, I'm trying to bring we up. So I had yeah, these years are the. Ago. Here are the Newman and lines that I just made. I got to do the I should have done it before. I wasn't sure I was going to reveal. I thought maybe we'd do it together, but whatever. These are, I'll be these honest.
2: Are, I could care less
3: about all of this. This, this What do you mean? This is Winnipeg this is, sports I talk. Care. We need to That's, talk about this. What? This is the, This is our job. On Us.
2: fictional, fictional training camp lines.
3: Yeah. To people me, I want to make lines. You don't think there's? <laughs> you don't think? How many
2: people do we have in chat right now? This is stuff <laughs> that happens in the Discord or on like a message board. This is this is like HF no.
3: boards quality. No. quality Joint
2: material, if you ask me
3: though join our discord i'm putting the (laughs) link in there too if you do want to put this is what we do on this show we come up with fictional lines when they announce the rosters that's what this is
2: well this is i don't
3: i'm not saying this is journalism actually you know what the highlight of the show was i'm gonna go back when you're like ted what are the big questions gonna be on day one and he rattled off like ten questions that he's got in the holster ready to go. That oh, was yeah, that was a lesson in Big J journalism. He was
2: Locked He was incredible. It.
3: That was um that was very well done um, by Ted as I put back these <laughs> Newman. This is the Newman
0: group.
2: Oh, the- this is funny. So there's there's lots of different takes on all of this. They brought in Tim McCracken. Yes, awesome job. I don't remember wrote This is Threads. Doug, Phil, start a poll over this. Do we care about speculative... Uh, should I Do you think replies? I can get a lot of likes? I guess. If, I,
3: if I tweet this out, hey, these are my... This is what I think the lines are going to be. How much... <laughs> you know how many likes I would get on that? I'm just guessing.
2: I mean, I... Not as many as your rant from last week. I'll say that. I
3: never tweeted that out, but hey, it is Monday okay, Night football.
2: Listen, this is something that's actually important, and I'm going to check this right
3: now. Well, there's two games on tonight.
2: Is one of them on TSN Plus, or are um, they both
3: on TSN? That's a good question. That is if a one of them is on question. TSN. Like, I think one of them's on ABC in the states. There's a big thing because it's the writers' strike. Um, they don't have any content. And they're putting a lot of Monday night football games on ABC and, and I think there are a number of double headers where you know it used to be on ESPN in the past, but I'm gonna put yeah. on the the schedule for TSN. man. I, I don't even know where to find it on their website anymore. I don't know. I don't know even know where to find it on their site, man. Well um, oh here, TSN schedule. Uh, let's see, night Monday football. night football. Saints at Panthers and then Browns. That's on TSN 1. TSN 2 has tennis tonight, Hus. Um WTA Guadalajara. Here. WTF
2: Guadalajara?
3: Yeah, got to make sure that's on there. And here's TSN 3. It's Saints, Panthers at 7.15 and Brown Steelers. So they're not showing them at the same time. Okay, Brown Steelers is on TSN 4. When it okay. starts at 8.15. So TSN 4 have Brown Steelers. Seems like everyone. And so does TSN 5. TSN 1 and 2 are going to show the Saints. No, the sorry. Saints TSN game. 1 and 3 have Saints Panthers at seven fifty. So that's the answer. So they're not on. It just its so stupid. It's like, why are you putting the Manning cast on TSN plus? Like, this is why you have the five channels to well, show this. And I was thinking about you. Getting so angry,
2: you threw a hat last week talking about this, and then I realized, oh, my God, it's two Monday nighters tonight. If one of those games is on TSN
3: Plus, there will be.
2: Anyways, that is a good news. They do have, like,
3: one game a weekend now on TSN Plus where it used to be on TV, which is like – and I think they had Coach Prime. uh, Gregory was texting me that Coach Prime was on uh, TSN Plus and wasn't on actual TV. And then I saw people tweeting, like, why are we calling him Coach Prime? Why are we calling him Deion Sanders? Because Coach Prime is the sickest name. It's such such a cooler name. They than almost Deion lost Sanders. too. I don't know what? if you
2: saw that on Saturday night. They almost lost. Yeah. They had to come back late, score a touchdown and a two-pointer, and then they won it in double OT. Dion was a little bit more humble, I think, on the handshake than he thought he was going to have to be afterwards. But uh, anyways, they uh, they got it done. Um,
3: Here, OK, my... listen,
2: the lines I care about are the cool bet lines for these two football games tonight, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. No, I,
3: well, I told you. <clears throat> yeah, it's funny. At the start of the show, I told you about lines for training camp. You're like, what, betting lines?
2: Yeah, that's yeah. what you said. Yeah. See, I, when I talk about lines and the race for everyone to tweet the lines out amongst the big J's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of joking. Um, but as T. Will said, I, you know, I, I uh, underestimate how degen people are in chat when it comes to this stuff. So, listen, have at her. Um, uh, I, you know, and we'll get to the, uh, the 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 picks in a minute with um, for uh, for the track tonight. Um, But here we go. We got two games. And by the way, shout out to everyone that was on the partner parlay for the lock shop. We did it again, folks. And thank God we had the extra half point in that San Francisco-LA game. We had San Francisco minus six and a half. If the partner parlay was busted by Sean McVay deciding to kick a field goal on the last play of the game to lose by 7 instead of lose by 10. Um, that would have been an all-timer, and I did have that just one of my picks, so I was pissed off enough that he did that. He must have had some money on... Uh, I just know that a lot of his fans would have uh, you know picked them to cover, so what the heck, if he had the opportunity to kick it, do it. Still one of the more bizarre moves we've seen in a long, long time. But we do have two games tonight. The Saints are three-point favorites over the Panthers in Carolina. Carr going up against the number one overall pick Bryce Young, who lost his NFL debut last week to the Atlanta Falcons. So uh, yeah, three laying three on the road for the Saints, minus one sixty-one on the money line. The Panthers minus one four or plus one forty-eight. Total in the game is thirty-nine and a half. And then I'm fired up for this Browns and Steelers tonight browns two-point favorites in pittsburgh to take on the black and gold steelers plus two uh ooh, this has gone down a little bit i can tell you that the steelers were plus 123 about two hours ago because i put a little sprinkle on it before we started the show after the lock shop and the browns are minus 122 for what it's worth i like the saints to cover and i like the steelers in this game tonight and uh, we put together, we all did a, a prop for the LockShop Partner Parley tonight. Dusty's on a Nick Chubb anytime touchdown. I'm on Chris Olave, 70 or more receiving yards. And Patty's throwing in Alan Robertson, three or more receptions. That is plus 580. And then there's a ride with Dusty with a number of uh, a number of props in there at plus 385 as well. Uh, and don't forget about the primetime field goal prop. I'm playing that one for the Browns and Steelers. Over three and a half field goals, plus 125. This has field goals written all over it. Um, I think tomorrow we'll do a full recap of the NFL week. We'll talk about these games tonight. We'll see if maybe our buddy Andy Mack can come on. He's good. He's he's count- He is coming on tomorrow. Perfect. Uh, yeah, he's getting he's ready good. for his Browns tonight.
3: Jamie Thomas, also good, uh, back from Penticton. I don't even know what happened in the game. We've been here. I noticed, I think our viewership spiked a bit <laughs> when the game when the game ended. There's also the uh, PWHL draft that we even mentioned. Shout-out to Jocelyn LaRock, uh, second yeah. overall.
2: Pride to of St. Anne's. Who picked yeah, her? T- Toronto. T.O.?
3: Yeah, T.O. Nicely done. So... That's I saw cool.
2: most of the Canadian teams were signing Canadians, most of the American teams yeah. were signing Americans, and I'm fine with that. I mean, that rivalry between Canada and the US is so damn good in women's hockey. They kind of split the Canadian team over 3 teams and the US team over 3. That would be great. Um but yeah, I really hope that this goes well and uh, obviously mm-hmm. awesome to see Jocelyn being uh, one of the uh one of the key players very early in the draft after uh, I guess the three signees from each, uh, from each spot. Um, So there you go. Lock and loaded at cool bet. Check out the lock shop noon every day before WST right now on the Edmonton sports talk channel. Hopefully we can get that on WST as well in the next little bit. Um, Hey, I got it. I got to give a thanks to our friends at little Brown jug. Um, Awesome weekend, and again, um, you know, I got that hat, that generic hat at the uh, event on Wednesday. That's a sick hat. A lot of, yeah, a lot of compliments on it, um, and a lot of compliments on the generic beer. Um, But I did go to the brew at the zoo on Friday, uh, or as some people on Reddit called it, the Q at the zoo. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Let's just say that as far as the local beer festivals go, Idea, great, execution, not very good. Um, But I did get a chance. I tried the uh, hazy IPA that you were drinking uh, on Wednesday night, Reem, and I quite enjoyed it. So um, big, big party, though, coming up on Saturday. Party of the year, the uh, Nuit Blanche party at Little Brown Jug. They're going to be closing down Hargrave on Saturday. It'll be going till late, so if you're looking for a big rager on Saturday at our favorite local brewery, get on down and do it. You can check out more of the upcoming events on the Little Brown Jug socials, and of course you can check out their website at littlebrownjug.ca. Um, we got Ryder Cup coming up in a couple weeks. I cannot wait for that. Still some nice days to get onto the golf course over at Breezy Bend, and if you're planning for the upcoming season... Give Corey Johnson a call or go to breezyben.ca and find out about getting on the waiting list for the upcoming year. And I believe this might have been the last weekend for the gang over at Aikens Lake as well. Um, So huge thanks to both Breezy and Aikens for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk this season. And we can't wait to see you all next summer. If you want to find out more on booking for 2004 at Aikens Lake, you can do that at aikenslake.com. Um, Remo, I've been going hard, uh, just on this show. So I'll be honest, I have not gotten to my picks, but, uh, we're getting down to the last few days of the live racing season. Maybe just blind dart throwing is exactly what I need to, uh, make something happen for these,
3: uh, I'll, for these races. I'll give you, I can go over my lines and give you a second here. Um, yeah, I noticed a lot of horses being scratched, some smaller fields. I'm trying to just go on for it here, Hus. Uh, going with a lot of uh, trifectas, trying to hit some long shots here. I need to salvage the season, but uh, here I did. I did see how, this is skill here. I did make the graphics for the lines, so like watch out. Again, just a reminder everyone: these are these not are real lines. I, these are not real at all. <laughs> There's not real. Do not. Report that Ealer's Perfetti Nino is Perfetti's second line center. Don't report that. This is not based on any information. No, nope. uh, this, this is just is just straight up. This is just me taking all the knowledge I gained from Nintendo Ice Hockey and applying it. Big to the jets line. Little so you got medium. Two, you got Perfetti, the skinny guy, with Nino, the big guy. Ealer's. You got two skinnies and a medium there. I don't know. Is that gonna work? You got some speed. And checking, you got what a big and a couple mediums there. I follow Lowry Appleton. I think he's gonna be the be the guy who replaced. Uh, they're still trying to replace uh, Brandon Tanev here, uh, Hus, or the or Cop either way. Uh, Harkins, Toninato, AJF. Did I say that line? I think I said these, but this is just the, the graphic, anyways. They're the defense. The... There's a lot more defense in this Solani group than the Newman and group. I didn't know what to do with all of them. And I wasn't really sure about. I put Dylan Jamello, Schmidt, Hanola, and Chisholm. But like, would Chisholm be ahead of Hanola? because Hanola can be sent down, Chisholm can't? So I think I might be. I could be wrong. There, that's well, it, that's that's interesting. Like, who would you have him ahead of Hanola?
2: Declan Chisholm.
3: Yeah, is he ahead of Hanola on the depth chart because Hanola can be sent down?
2: Well, in reality, yeah. I mean, pretty much. I mean, I think if it's close between those guys, yeah, Declan's going to get the first look um, because they've got a, they can put Vili and let him play in the. Uh, they can let him play
3: there. Yeah, people criticizing my lines. I mean, I just wanted to do the <laughs> NHL <laughs> team lines. I mean, the. I just want to let do the NHL level lines. lines are
2: outrageous. What are you talking uh, about? Someone's like,
3: you can't have a kid line in training camp with Chibrikov, Lambert. I'm like, look, I'm just trying to do the. We just wanted to figure out who the second line center was. And I think is Perfetti, if you had to make cool bet lines, is Perfetti starting as a favorite second line center?
2: Um, yeah. Well, as I say, you can take out take from what it's which. It's, a, it's pretty even with, you know, players on each side. It's not like, you know, before under Maurice, sometimes they just basically have the team in Group A. And then everyone that wasn't on the team for the most part afterwards. And if there was one player that he was ticked off with, maybe that they came in out of shape or something, they'd get to go to
3: group <laughs> like, B as opposed to group A. Like Gus that year where he basically started in like the ECHL. That was um was that like two years ago?
2: That was I think that was
3: two years ago where he was we're like, why is he so far down with, with these groups? It was, hard
2: to, it was hard to understand. I'm trying
3: to remember. Pat, I pulled out David Kochi today out of my ass. For uh, that's not going to count on Puck Doku, but he was David a Kochi. Wow. he was a training camp invite. I should use him now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hot, hot Linda's in in chat. The horse yes! just joined chat. Hot Linda, the horse. God. Not sure about racing, but can't wait for the stud farm. <laughs> Anyways, you want me to go to the picks?
2: Yeah, let's get over to the picks. I'm uh, I'm just cranking. Ooh, we got a massive, massive uh, eighth race tonight.
3: I got a yeah, I got one for race eight. I, oh, I'm okay. starting race five. I don't know if you're before that.
2: Um, you know what? Just roll through your picks. I'm just finishing up with mine. I'm gonna have to do one. Okay, more race here,
3: five but... exact uh, box. So for second, any order, we have four, six, Diddley, and Browning Island. Uh, race six, just a straight exacta, one two. Ask for Bodie and Tiz Hop, and that's just the chalk exacta. And then I'm going for a couple of trifectas. Race seven, two three seven. Uh, reasonably lovely. Burrow down. How to get, Burrow down? Has you think that's like about uh, Joe Burrow who just got it's hurt, or
2: basically just talking that about the start of the Bengals season right now at zero and two.
3: Yeah, and the other one in this one is for seven Missy into Mischief. So this could pay a lot if it wins. Got the big favorite and a couple long shots. Uh fingers crossed. Race eight, one four nine. This is a big one. Anna Kozana, who have won on before. That's force nine. Force four. Just Opposed. and one double barrel elite who is the big favorite. So I think this is a bit of a bit of a chalk trifecta here on a nine horse field I'll be tuning in on YouTube for this one
2: is a little bit all right I'm gonna throw one we'll throw a fin on lucky break here who is the favorite just to get it done all right so I've got a race number four uh lucky break to win it's my one sort of chalky that's the favorite nine to five right now I think it's been pretty good so far this year so race four then we go to race number six, uh, Tiz Hoppin' to win, number two. Uh, and then I got Triactor Boxes in the last two. Uh, for race number seven, we're going with the box on two, three, five. So reasonably lovely. Burrow Down, absolutely. And Orange Theory. And then for the final race, I really like this one, 179. Yeah, I knew you were going big, big energy. Double-barreled elite, big, big energy, and Anna Kozana. Um, So again, just uh, just a few days left. Um, so uh, if you're thinking about and listen, the weather's going to be really nice these next few days. So a perfect time to get down to the track for uh, a little bit of live racing. Uh, you realize it's 27 right now outside? Is it? No,
3: I don't, because I'm inside in my basement with no windows. Well, I'm sorry, I got a little window.
2: The high was supposed to be 26 degrees, but it is, in fact, 27 already right now. And tomorrow, sunny and 28. Wednesday, sunny and 21. Thursday, sunny and 22. Friday, mix of sun and cloud, 22. And then rain just in time for the weekend. So hopefully that rain can you know take off a little extra uh, and uh, leave us be for what should be a fun day for Fan Fest.
3: Yeah, and I just got the email. We're going to be seated next to Illegal Curve, uh, so we'll have to discuss our plans uh, for our that sabotage
2: be... of the Illegal Curve. No, uh, well the they're going to go nine show?
3: nine to eleven. We got to finalize uh, our our plans for that. But I'll you know be out there taking pictures and maybe we can get some interviews and we got our posters ready to go i'm excited this is like our first like little trade show event that's has.
2: right well you were so happy with the backdrop that made its debut at yeah. little brown jug sports trivia um this is sort of the perfect thing for it to make like it's gonna look it's gonna look awesome so if you go quickly. to fan fest bike mm-hmm. make sure you come by and if you see remus say you know what that backdrop looks amazing great <laughs> job on the backdrop
3: yeah, well, I, I went last year with I took my whole family and my son loved the uh, big slide and, and the bounce castles and stuff. So hopefully Did the you weather get a jet is dog nice. Dog for five bucks? I didn't know. I think they sold out really early last year. Really? Well, so to I told early. my wife we were going. She's like, Are they gonna, gonna have you get a hot dog? I was like, Well, they sold out. So I think they'll be, you know, maybe they didn't know how it was gonna go. It Was the first fan fest in a couple of years, so I'm assuming they'll be, they'll be ready. For it, but uh, that should be a lot of fun. And then training camp Thursday, I'm going to try to go out and maybe grab pictures or something. We'll see how it goes.
2: No doubt. Um, Patrolman Pete, yes, Bison football homecoming after Fan Fest. Great call on that. And um, yeah, it's going to be a big week, but uh, we should get out because uh, there are podcast listeners that are probably going, "What the hell are these guys doing? Still going long?" Um, but listen, I could go another two hours. We haven't even touched. The NFL, for the most part, from the weekend. But uh, Chiefs demise, greatly exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Bengals, not sure. I don't know, is Walter in the chat? Winnipeg
3: Walter? Well, hey, did you see the Mahomes news, Hus? It just the happened. They they redid his contract. He now gets $210.6 million between 2023 and 2026. The most money in NFL history over a four-season span. His compensation for those years is now guaranteed. Uh, and they plan to revisit after 2026. Adam Schefter. I'll so I guess i they-
2: I'll be honest. I rarely pay attention to anything about these contracts, like for guys that already signed it. Like when Mahomes signed his deal, it was a 10-year deal. So the fact that they had his name on a contract, now again, what does that matter? Guys can hold out or whatever. But the rela- he is the franchise. The relationship between he, Beach, the Hunts is perfect. They were always going to do him right. But Mahomes himself has said, like, I don't necessarily care about being the most highest paid guy so we can have Chris Jones and we can have Travis Kelsey and we can be in the AFC championship game every year and have a legitimate chance to win a Super Bowl. And that's exactly the sort of guy I want leading my team. So I'm happy for him. Um, But as I say, this guy is going to be life-changingly rich, so many times over most marketable athlete probably in north america as well right now so um good for him i I mostly care just how this affects the Chiefs salary cap (laughs) which is i think magic or hocus pocus to begin with anyways it always seems like teams are able to get out of whatever they did by restructuring a dealer going forward Andy mac will be on tomorrow we will hit all of the nfl topics and we'll dive into a recap of the prospects tournament with Jamie Thomas. We'll be back from Penticton,
3: uh, and I believe we got Mike tomorrow. Mike is in, so Mike, you know, you can t- show Mike my lines, and then you can see what yeah. what he has. I'm sure you don't think Mike's written down. I'm sure Ke- Ken's got his lines. I'm gonna text mine to Ken. No, these and see guys what he says. are
2: these guys are they're big J journalists. They they look and they report on things. They don't just make things up like has transpired today on Winnipeg
3: Sports. No, no, no. you got to come in like with an idea of what you think is going to happen. Don't you? What else are we going to do here from now until training camp? Why do you think why do you think they sent these out so we can do this?
2: They got to give us like <laughs> this content. Is this is the doing exercise. This is the exercise. Yeah, this is what it is. As I said, that is um As I said, that's kind of content that I would expect on HF boards.
3: What or
2: no? Just people, randos on uh, on Twitter.
3: This is speculation, jet speculation lunch. What do you think we were doing? No different than what we were doing with talking about Dubois rumors or speculating on Shafley and Hellebuck. I don't. See how it's any any different than anything we've done for the, year, for the last year for the last <laughs> two and a half years on here. I don't know how it's any different.
2: Come for more incredible speculation this, on the this is upcoming our vi- 2023 2024 season tomorrow on the program. Yeah, we'll be one day closer to having the answers to these. Million dollar questions: Who will be the fifth line on Team yeah. Solani, uh yeah. during the second ice time on Wednesday? Everyone in
3: Thursday. chat is praising me for doing that. And you don't think if I put out a YouTube thumbnail was like Winnipeg Jets lines like five question marks and me going like this <laughs> with a face? You don't think the click through rate? Oh my would be, god! The what? What? You don't think the cl- <laughs> click through rate would be? Oh my out god!
2: Of I gotta click on this. You don't think it will be? See, we've created a monster here. Remus has turned into—he's too good at YouTube now, mm-hmm. and now he's basically creating realities to fit click high click-through rates. Yes.
3: <laughs> yes.
2: Which is good for business. I like it. That's why you're doing a good job. You know how many job.
3: more? We got so many subs on the weekend, Hus. <laughs> and if you are here, you're not subscribed. Please hit the button. We're almost yes. at. Oh we're almost at 80 9850 we're like so close to 10k.
2: Yes, our goal our goal is 10k mm-hmm. by puck drop October 11th. So yes, tell a friend about Winnipeg well, Sports Talk. Get him to subscribe to the YouTube channel and find us on the podcast feed that will have this episode coming up very soon and that's why we got to get out right now gang. But um thanks to everyone that came by. Great stuff with Ted and with Hammer. Tomorrow's going to be a great show. We will have more on the Winnipeg Jets. Maybe Remus might tweak his training camp lines. We'll get an update on that. Jamie Thomas will uh, wrap the Young Stars tournament in Penticton. Uh, We'll talk with Mike McIntyre about the big Jets stories heading into the official start of training camp on Tuesday. And we will recap. All of week two in the National Football League with our guy Andy McNamara. Big thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. And get outside, everybody. Enjoy this beautiful weather. And whatever you do, make sure you're joining us tomorrow. If you can, live at YouTube at 1 p.m. And keep on listening to Winnipeg Sports Talk. Enjoy a doubleheader on MNF this evening. Oh, my God.
0: Oh, Shut it down.